Hello there, and welcome back, or welcome for the first time, to the Great Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Weber, and this is my show. I came up with it, and I love it. It's my favorite podcast. Uh, What I do is I sit across the table from uh, another human being, someone that maybe I know, maybe it's someone that I'm just meeting for the first time, and I hear their their story, uh, their life story, the highs and lows, just what goes into making them who they are. But most importantly, we get to the the crux of how they came to know Christ, what their relationship looks like with him, just in the context of their real life. Uh, These interviews are 100% unscripted, unrehearsed, uh, unedited. You know, it's just a conversation. You're sitting on the third side of a conversation that I get to have another person. I came up with this because I, I love podcasts and I wanted to hear just the real genuine stories from genuine believers, something that's not produced, something that's not a product that has people overseeing it, telling you what you can and can't say. I just want to hear what's Jesus look like to you. And that's what you're going to hear today. Uh, if you like what you hear, uh, I'm sure there are other people you know who would also like what you hear. And uh, you can support the show best by just sharing the show with other people. I'm not doing this to get famous. I'm not doing it to get rich. I just want these stories to get out there because they are so good. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, if you want to come on the show yourself, that'd be awesome. Come on the show. Shoot me an email at thegreatstoriespodcast at gmail.com. All right, today's episode, all I can say is about gratitude. About the one word, gratitude. Uh, you're going to meet a man uh, through this interview who's been through a lot, who's experienced a lot, uh, who's had some big highs, some big lows, uh, and who, at, at the end of it all, is tearfully humbled and grateful for what Christ has done in his life. So uh, this is my interview with David Rohde. I hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed recording it. Here we go. Welcome. How you doing? Great. Great. So, as you were walking up, you were telling me that you lived in this neighborhood. Literally, one street away. One street away. Across the block there. So, Olive Street had a pretty bad reputation. Like, I want to say in 2011, 2012, a lot of gang activity. A lot of, like, there was a, a, a gang, not on your block, but, like, kind of across uh, Central that was fighting with one o- over here. <laughs> and that's that, when I moved in. That's right. 20, 2011 is when I moved out here. Was there any funny activity over there? I could tell that it was not the nicest neighborhood. It was a little sketch, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had the guy across the street was uh like the shot caller for one of the gangs and his neighbor was the local arms dealer so he would sell whatever tech nines and uzis and stuff 
And the guy that actually lived in this, in this exact spot was the neighborhood meth cook. Wow. So, and I lived in the front house up here for a bit. So for a while, it was just like crazy, crazy. Like, what are we doing? What did I move into? Like, we're, we're in the middle of a gang war. The SWAT team's on the street all the time. <laughs> and it, I guess over time, it kind of mellowed out. It's I kinda, had no idea. Yeah, it was right, right on the next street over. There's a whole, all kinds of exciting things going on. That's going to kind of, in part of my story, there's going to be something that kind of falls right in line with that too all right something that happened one street <laughs> over at my house actually all right well we probably know some of the same characters too i bet you <laughs> that's wild yeah well what is what does life look like for you these days what do you do what are you up to since the life is actually really good for me right now oh. i mean okay i'm in a great place uh both physically you know where i live in hillsboro yeah um Right across from the country club, Burlingame Country Club, across the street. Yep. Golf course. Okay. Um, uh, f- also, health-wise, I'm pretty pretty healthy right now. Yeah. Living about the healthiest life I've lived in my whole life. Yeah. Um, financially starting to do a lot better. You know, not having debt, very much debt anymore. That helps. Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> very relieving and uh just spiritually i'm in a wonderful place man and i've never <laughs> you know i never lived like this before where yeah he's he's in control completely so life is so much easier now um not relying on myself at all anymore <laughs> really it's it's such a peaceful beautiful place right now i i sounds good it's in contrast to the way i've lived my my whole life yeah you know so how old are you i'm turning 50 uh december 14th so okay in a couple weeks three weeks so you're, you're almost a grown-up then yeah <laughs> it took me 50 years to get here <laughs> i'm never going <laughs> I'm never going no yeah what are you doing for work these days i'm self-employed what's that uh, what's that look like then so um i've been self-employed since 2003 okay. I, I went off on my own and started doing low voltage uh it kind of morphed into that it was i was in sales with high-end home theater home audio video type oh, stuff fun working out of san jose and yeah left there and kind of started programming um they the high-end remote you know, universal remote controls, things like that. Okay. Which then that kind of morphed into doing the installs myself and, yep. and selling the products. And um, that took about four or five, six years to get into all that. Right. Um, and then it was booming for quite a while. Yeah. Up until 2017. Right. When and all things hit diff- the brakes. Different kind of booming happened. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, <clears throat> you know, after that, We'll get into that, but after that, yeah. it all got resolved. I just started back during the uh, shelter in place. I started yeah. back working around June. Okay. And with a really big project and have been pretty busy ever since. So So you're still doing the, the full from one end to the other? Yeah. I do things from things. new construction where I'm wearing homes yeah. and uh, 
and then doing retrofits where I'll come into homes that are already built and okay. pull wires and upgrade and revise what they have. Uh, doing a lot of security cameras nowadays. Mm. That wasn't a big thing 10 years ago, but yeah, in the last five, six years, I've done yeah. a lot more of that. Okay. That's probably half my business. Not so know. much than audio, the home theater. No, I mean, I still okay. do, you know, a you lot can of do it. TV upgrades, you know, but actually during the shelter in place, a lot of people are upgrading their home theaters. Oh, so, yeah. Because they're not spending money at movie theaters. They're exactly. They're not going out, you know, spending money on entertainment. So they're upgrading their, a lot of TVs or new TVs. Yes. and. I've been a huge advocate for home theater. Yeah. Always. Me too. So I'm like, I get to sit on my couch. There's no people talking unless it's me. Right. The food's better. The bathroom's closer. Yeah. It's you like, can pause I, it. I can pause it. <laughs> yeah. Like it's louder. Look at these things you're sitting next to. I know. Exactly. Yeah. I noticed it's, that when I came in. Yeah. I'm sure you did. That's the first thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I, I, I was a, a home theater like nerd on a, on a tight budget. Yeah. So I, I built everything. So I made these things. These are car audio. Oh, wow. Like those are like six yeah. by nines out of a, a, some guy's trunk. The subwoofer's back. Yeah. Each one has an amp in the back of it. Yeah. So you just plug it into the wall and it shakes the termites out of it. It's, oh, it's so great. I love it. In the front house, they can hear you back here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we compete though. <laughs> yeah. Because they got that stuff in their trunk and they, they love to get that going. Oh, I, yeah. I can hear it from here. Yeah. <laughs> I never got into car audio, but, you know, I yeah. went, I, I got into sales like at the Sharper Image and then yeah. Bang and Olufsen, which is a Danish, very okay. artistic type audio. You see it a lot in movies. Yeah. And then from there, I went to Century Stereo out in San Jose and they were just like, yep. we, we were putting movie theaters in people's homes, literal, literally yeah. movie theaters, <laughs> rooms and uh, projector, you know, the theater chairs creating a theater room dude and then people that was like early 2000s um late 99s when the boom the first tech boom went and we yeah had young guys coming in there like what's your most expensive speaker right you know it's things like that so, Fifteen thousand a pair yeah, 50,000 <laughs> 50, 50, yeah, a pair okay yeah. i remember when like <laughs> just one of these like a, a plasma tv was like 30 grand for yeah. something not much bigger than this yeah the first 50 inches were 15 to yeah. 20 grand yeah yeah there was a little spot in uh in palo alto right on el camino there's like a chevy's next door and they had armories yeah 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 and i, I, I went in there and i was like what is this? And that was my first ex like the speakers and everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was like, how much are they? I was like, okay. Well, I either have to be a doctor or something, or I got to learn how to make my own stuff. And yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I bought books on air displacement and all that. So I nerded out for a minute. And, and then everything went digital and changed the whole yeah. <laughs> game. Optical. And yeah. then when that hit, I was like, oh, great. We got to start to relearn everything. Yeah, that was interesting. Well, I'm glad business is picking up again. It's good. Yeah, it's been really good for me. The Lord's providing me with plenty of work and yeah. very profitable work and allowing me to pay off all my debts. And What a blessing. Wow. And where I'm living, I'm living rent-free, so that's enabling me to... It's the best price. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's really providing in uh, every amazing. way. I mean, it's such a blessing. Man. Yeah. Well, let, let's start the story I, I i know very little about you like in the longer 
term. I only know you from basically the last couple of years, post the 2017 event, yeah, which we'll get to. But yeah, give me the background. Who, so who are you? <laughs> you've known the better part of my life, even though it started with a I know the good part, a terrible event. But yeah, it's the part where God has taken charge and turned my whole world around. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, I I was born in Michigan, <clears throat> um, raised in a Christian family. Okay. Um, we went to a Baptist church when I was little and then, uh, when we, I was getting ready to start going to kindergarten, we switched and to a Lutheran church because, uh, hmm. my mother wanted to get us into a, a good schooling. My brother was going to a public school and hmm. they weren't challenging him. He's extremely intelligent. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> extremely intelligent never, never had that problem <laughs> <laughs> and he he wasn't being challenged to a point that you know she started praying about it and what are some options and the lord led her to this lutheran schooling system huh. so she thought it was best that we join the church since we'd be going to school with those kids and um not bad it was good it was a very good school i was uh <laughs> A very challenging student. I'm extremely hyper. Okay. Uh, you'd call it ADHD nowadays. They oh, yeah, that's what they call what, it now. They didn't right. know what that was. <laughs> they just called me hyper. Difficult. <laughs> yeah. I, when listening to Steve Mills' podcast, I have I have similar issues like a relaxed brain. I love that. <laughs> I've started using that all the time. <laughs> I love that. But I was a challenge to all my huh. my teachers. What does that look like? Well, what, what is a challenge you might have? <laughs> I uh, to, to hold my attention. I, I think what I found this out later in life, but I think a lot of my problem with losing my attention with teachers were I wasn't being challenged enough sometimes. So mm -hmm. even though it was a more advanced schooling system than the public schools, um, if you had to go over something two or three times, right because some people weren't getting it you're gone i'm done yeah i got it the first time i don't want to hear it again and right. the third time i'm not you've lost me altogether yep. now i'm putting on a little show in the back of the room and getting other kids attention <laughs> oh you take them that's when they get annoyed yeah when you take them with you <laughs> right i mean uh, i and like i i'm sure i'm a, a bold personality i guess you'd say um <laughs> I, I mean, even to the point where I, I life events that affected me and mm. where things like that the enemy would use to mold me and draw, draw me away from mm. God's will. I, I remember in second grade just being a little challenging to a teacher, and this is in a Christian school, you know, okay. and to a point where she <coughs> choked me. Oh, she skipped right past the paddle and went yeah, for the... Yeah, I mean, right to the throat. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the way that was handled, I didn't, you know, that affected me. Yeah. Because uh, that was an example of somebody that was claimed to be a Christian, but mm. wasn't living or wasn't a very good Christian yeah. example. Right. Um, and I would, and the enemy would use that situation in my life later to keep me focused on 
you know, Christians are hypocrites or yeah. being angry at, you know, holding anger in my life, you know, right. giving me an excuse to mm. um, shun the church or whatever. Um, but that was just a one small moment in my life. Um, fast forward to high school. Sure. Um, still in a Christian school. Okay. Um, still challenging student, challenging, you know, the norms, you know, speaking up. Uh, and I had an event when my junior year, this is, this is another kind of standout moment in my life that kind of changed the direction of my life. Mm. Um, I don't know. Am I going too fast with the You're high school? You're it's your show. I not really talk about my family yet. But it's your show. You can do what you want. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll ask you about your family. Um, so, you know, junior year in high school, probably the first, you know, party I went to. Yeah. Event. Went out on a walk with a friend and got picked up by some other guys that were at the party in their car and to drive us back to the party. Okay. And apparently they had been vandalizing things while they were driving around prior to getting us hmm. um and did a little bit of that on the way back to the party okay even though i didn't partake in any of that you know i was in the car yeah um later that somebody had seen them while they were running around doing their thing and uh the police were called to the driver's house and he said you know gave all of our names um, so I got caught up into that. Oh gosh. Um, and you know, brought in and questioned about that, that night at the party. Um, let us go because I, I didn't think that much of it cause I didn't partake in anything. You know, yeah. I thought I would thought everything was fine. A couple of days later at school, apparently it hit the newspaper with your names and everything. Oh, and the, and the school's <laughs> name. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh the the school expelled me. Oh, and this is a uh, Lutheran school. Lutheran school. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so the school expels me. Of course. Even though the other three kids that were involved told them I had nothing to do with it. Right. But because our names were in the paper and with the school's name. It's out there. That's yeah. it. Oh. What did your parents think of it? Uh Did you tell them or did they learn in the paper? Uh oh. They didn't learn until I got expelled. Oh. I mean <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna have to tell them because they let us go. You didn't do anything. You know, I, I didn't do anything. So yeah. I, and the other guys said that they they told the police I didn't partake. So huh. I didn't think I would be in, involved with it. But in Michigan, uh if you're seventeen you can be tried as an adult. And the other three guys were sixteen and I was seventeen. Whew. So they went after me because I, I was the only one that they could hold accountable. And the other three guys that actually committed the crimes right, just went to juvenile court and didn't have to really... Have to do some hours or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... It really changed my opinion of our legal system, of you know yeah. what's right and fair and right. how things they they didn't really care about who was guilty but they just wanted to hold somebody accountable for it yeah 
So because well, they get the points for we got somebody. Right. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I had to use all my my personal savings for college and money that I had been working for, and Dang that it. all went in towards the lawyer, and I lost everything. As well, I got expelled from the school and had to start going to a public school the last quarter of my junior year. Huh. That was kind of traumatic. Yeah. So I held a lot of anger and resentment. Yeah. Uh, you know, how unfair the world was. Somewhat justified in yeah. a lot of ways, yeah. It's justified, but, you know, it never could forgive. Mm. A lot of blame was thrown around. And like, yeah. look at that. How how could a Christian school right. treat us this way, knowing that I was innocent? Right. They didn't care. All they cared about was their name, yeah. you know. So that really affected me. And was one more thing the enemy could use as a reminder. To, of course, you know I would. Yeah, if I was him, poke me exactly. <laughs> yeah, and look, and look also those those people that say they're Christians, look at them. Right, well, those disgusting. Yeah, right. Exactly. And the way I was kind of shunned at the church after that, people would look at me like I just felt you know <sighs> the eyes on me and just didn't really want to go back to that church. And that was really the beginning of me like resenting and not wanting to be a part of organized religion at all. Yeah. After that. Right. Um, hmm. how, what was your parents' reaction to all this? Uh, they actually, I was amazed how they handled everything with, you know, they, they forgave me. They had a meeting with the other parents and the kids at the house and okay. the other kids admitted that I didn't do anything, but, and they all agreed that whatever restitution was going to have to be paid, we would split it four ways. Hmm. But even that, in my mind, was not fair because yeah. I'm paying a quarter of their damages. <clears throat> and I'm the one that has to go and stand before a judge and be looked at as the criminal when I'm yeah. the only one that didn't do it, you know? That's gross. So that really bothered me. Dang. But, you know... And where's, where's your brother at? Is he older, younger? Yeah, he's two years older than me. So he was already graduated. He was already graduated okay. at that point, and in, he was going to the University of Michigan. Okay. As uh, getting a chemical engineering degree. Okay. Is that the one with the with the big blue M? Yeah. That's, that's the Michigan? Yeah. That's yeah. the one everyone talks the, about? Yeah. Okay. I'm not really familiar with I college. think it's yellow. Is it yellow? Yeah. Yellow M? Yeah. Yellow and blue, I know. Yellow and blue, yeah. Okay, that's the one. But that's them. I should know that by now. <laughs> it it looks like, uh, what's the college in Belmont area? Oh, uh, Notre Dame. It, oh, no, Menlo. Menlo College it has a big yellow M, too. Yeah. No, oh, um, okay, high school. Okay. Menlo High School. Not Menlo. Uh, not Menlo. <laughs> I'm trying to. It's, it's like. It's uh, Sacred Heart. No. No. It's off a. Uh, Ralston, I think. Oh, uh, that's Notre Dame. Yeah, no, that's not. Oh, yeah, that's De Namur. That's not the that one. Girls. Maybe it is Menlo. I don't know. Ah. But I've seen I've seen some school out here that uses that same. Put that on the lookup later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, U of M. That's where uh, Pastor Will's from. I know. Yeah, everyone knows that. Yeah, yeah. 
He still wears his his shirts from yeah. there. I mean, they yeah. look, they're looking pretty ragged, though. He's got to refresh the wardrobe with the Michigan stuff. But. I love all the Michigan people in our church. There's a lot. I know. There's it been was... a, a big, well, you included. There's yeah. been a lot of migration from yeah. Michigan to the Bay Area. I know yeah. a lot of people from there. I love some, some of them are going back. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the Bay Area is not the promised land anymore. It's kind of weird. Uh, but go back to high school. So you're you're expelled what happened with like the courts and everything with the judge so how did that go that all went it was they actually went in two different counties so i had to go to court with two different counties and be charged twice they did vandalism in two different counties they crossed county lines when they were doing it oh gosh (laughs) so even though i wasn't in the car with them when they did this yeah um didn't really matter that is so weird it was just uh, all it was so unbelievable to me like that i had to defend but i you know i ended up having to do a year of probation and all the charges were dropped you know after the year okay i had a pretty good lawyer that you know explained the the situation but they had to hold somebody responsible right and they knew if they had pinned the restitution on me that the other kids would also be paying it so and people's property was damaged so they you know they had to hmm. they had to hold somebody accountable so wow the way our laws were at that time i was the only one that they could because the other guys were too young so wow yeah <laughs> man well so what do you do after that it's a new school well, see, that's see th- these are uh, just things in my life that I look back at now, and especially after what's happened to me, um, they were events that I felt like were terrible and so unfair. Yeah. But they, they were all part of God's plan mm-hmm. s- to get me to a specific place at a specific time, um, and that came later. It was revealed to me later, so I resented these things for years yeah. and years. And While years, you're in it, you can't see that. No, yeah. Um, but now right. I'm thankful for all these things. So I ended up going to a public school, um, where I was approached by uh, army recruiters, hmm. and I would have never joined the army if I was in the Lutheran school. You okay. know? But um. I ended up enlisting in the army. Okay. Also at another life event, um, I was big into, I was a band geek. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, we didn't have anything like a marching band or anything like that at the, the Lutheran school, but right. They're too small for that, but they did at the public school. And the, the, the guy that was running that had a, was, um, Involved with the drum and bugle corps, uh. which would tour around the the nation in, in summers. So, were you a drum or a bugle? I was a bugle. Okay, I was a trumpet <laughs> player. Yeah, oh, that's funny. And I was he, a I was a horn player. Okay, trombone. I'm yeah, sitting right there. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So brass. I'm also band geek. Yeah. So I uh, <laughs> he got me to ch- try that try try out for that, and I ended up getting accepted and. We toured that summer right before I went into the army. Yeah, and oh, that's ended fun. up at Arrowhead Stadium for the DCI championships. 
Wow. It was pretty amazing. That's and cool. We took second place to uh, this drum and bugle corps called the Santa Clara Vanguard from Santa Clara, California. <laughs> 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 Which I had no idea where that was at the time. That's funny. And ended up here. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's what a neat. Yeah. All of these little things like oh. started connecting, the dots connecting. It was pretty interesting. Served two years in the army. Oh, okay. actually three. I, I extended. I enlisted for two. And, and then, when is this, uh, this? In the early eighties, then. Eighty eighty nine. Eighty late eighties. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, where where was the Desert Storm right in there when? That was going on. Like, that was it. Yeah, that's <laughs> Panama was going on while I was in basic. Okay. The Panama Canal right. stuff, and we right. were all being told we were going to get shipped right to Panama. Yeah. In basic training, and I was a I was a medic. I was going to be a medic in the military, so I went and did my um, AIT, my medical training in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. And then uh, got stationed at the Presidio of San Francisco, Letterman Army Medical Center. Yep. <laughs> and. I had no idea where San Francisco was or I thought I was yeah. going to Hollywood, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Far from it. <laughs> yeah. North Beach, no, no. <clears throat> but California was like, you know, I never even imagined coming out here. Yeah. For that. Why how did you choose medic? How did that come up? Well, I rated really high in my testing. Okay. And so I was able to pick pretty much anything I wanted. And you picked medic. I thought. Why, why is that? When, what's working that? in a hospital seemed interesting. I had no no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. Like, I didn't even, I wasn't even that excited about going to college because I had no concept of what I wanted to do. I School was not something I enjoyed. Right. Um, <laughs> so I didn't really have a, oh, I want to be this or I want to be that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's what made me even consider joining the army just cuz I thought maybe if I took a couple of years I could figure out develop a little what yeah. I wanted to do with my life and then go from there and that was really a blessing because going through the the training to be be a medic was pretty intense. Yeah. And I excelled at it. Huh. The the faster, the harder they pushed us, the better I did. So I realized that a lot of my schooling was going too slow for me. And that's why I would mm. lose interest all the time. I didn't realize this till later in life, but <laughs> that was a lot of the problems I had in school was it didn't challenge me enough. Um, so is, is army medic stuff mostly like trauma? type things they concentrate a lot on that yeah if you're going to be a field medic and that's kind of what i was supposed to be yeah but then i got stationed at letterman army medical center which was this massive hospital okay um it was bigger than a hospital it's a medical center so um and then it ended up downsizing to a hospital and then they ended up <laughs> getting rid of it altogether okay. by, by the time i got like 94 i think it was downsized and, okay. and gone um but I got out in 92. Um, 
but I got a lot of experience there. I, I worked up on the, the ward and, you know, the thoracic ward dealing with yeah. heart surgery patients and, Ooh. and spinal surgery and brain surgery patients. And then I ended up cross training as a, uh, OR tech and working in the minor surgery clinic. Okay. Wow. And I loved all of that. I mean, working in the wards was a little difficult because I, I'm a people person Yeah. and I would create relationships with these people. And then when you lose them, yeah. it was pretty, you know, I took that home with me. Well, you lose them one way or another. They leave or yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. We would get bridge jumpers and we would get, you know, oh, yeah. people that had just gone through uh. heart surgery and sometimes they just weren't going to make it, you know, that was really traumatic for me. So working mm -hmm. in an operating room was, I enjoyed much more. Yeah. Because you, you didn't have that personal connection. Right. It was more sterile, you know. Everything's draped off. You're just dealing with a specific part of the body, and huh. you don't really get to know the person at all. Yeah, they're just a, a subject. Right. So that was Very much in, easier. Yeah. yeah. So I thought I was going to stay into that. Yeah. While I was in the military, I mean, we didn't really go through my child life, but we'll go back to that. You can touch on it back, yeah. Go for it. Um, okay, let's let's go, let's go back a little bit because yeah. I feel like I'm rushing through things. Go back. So, growing up, uh, one of the questions was like, "What was your family life like?" Yeah. Um, I had a great childhood for the most part. You know, um, my big brother was awesome. <laughs> he was patient with me. You know, he put up with me. Hmm. Um, parents were very always there. You know, dad was very in, involved with my life and our lives, you know, coached our teams and, you know, he was always there. Um, we would go on vacations to like Christian camps like Spring Hill. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No. It's, um, it's a, Christian camp and retreat ministry okay. uh, in, in Michigan. They get, they also have them in Indiana and Ohio and Illinois. And, um, and that's where I, when I was about 11, I think when I first accepted Jesus as my savior, huh. like I told my mom, you know, I believe at 11. Know? Yeah. Um, but I didn't really get it. You know, hmm. I believed it but I didn't understand it, like what it meant to live as a Christian or. What was your, yeah, this is so interesting because there's like every parent wants to hear that, right? Like their kid, like, I believe it. But there's always that question like, yeah, like, you know it, but do you really know what you're doing? Like, is it really in there? <laughs> I I almost took it like, I believed that Jesus died for me. I believed that I was going to go to heaven because Jesus saved me. Mm. Um, but then I kind of, as I grew older and through high school and grade school, I kind of took it more like the prodigal son, you know, like, mm. okay, now I can do anything I want. I can live <laughs> however I want. Fire insurance. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm covered. Right. You know? Um, and even when I kind of 
fell away from things and bad things happened in my life. And I like with the high school situation and I, I blamed the church and didn't want to be a part of organized religion. And I still believed I was saved. Right. I wouldn't tell anybody that I was a Christian. Mm. I wasn't proud of it. I was more concerned about other people's opinions of me and, you know, that was pretty much my whole life. Yeah, yeah. sort of in the, in the background, maybe. Right. Yeah. I believed it, but it was more between me and him. Yeah. Not anybody else's. Um, I didn't need to share that with anybody. Hmm. Yeah. So as you're just gosh, as you're talking, there's like things, fifty things I'm thinking about, but. Um, I feel like that's a very common uh, story that I hear in, in some elements because you, because I, I mean, I, I ran uh, grade school ministry for the last five years. <laughs> and so there's, um, it, it's such a challenge with kids. And even in, in the middle school, and I, I, I have a high school group that I, I participate in also, and uh, you're, you're, you're always sort of chasing that that authenticity element of it, where especially the kids that grow up in the church, they'll kind of know these things. They'll have a lot of knowledge. They'll know the Bible verses, and and you can ask questions, and they know the right answers. But um, there's there's like an internalization in a lot of ways that doesn't really happen until like life gets a little weird, <laughs> and then mm. they like they they'll know something, but they don't have a spot to put it until later and so a lot of them you know they say oh i i i got saved like three times (laughs) because they got once when they're in grade school once more in high school and then finally in college then i was really and they they can't tell you when it really was like there wasn't a moment it was more like a graying that happened at least that's that's how it was for me in a lot of ways Although mine was more black than gray, I think. I'm just <laughs> gone for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my need to be accepted and liked by people was just so important to me. It took the front row, yeah. Yeah, always more important than what God thought of me. Mm. Never even considered that, really. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know if it's that I didn't really pay attention enough in church or if they, you know, a lot of churches don't focus on the gospel so much. No. So, no. you know, in the Lutheran church, it was more structure and legalism and yep. things like that. So it was just a bunch of words, Yep. you know, and I also <clears throat> didn't really see people living it out. Right. Um, like I see in our church, you know, kids weren't proud to be Christians or, you know, talking about it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was the world. It was all the world. Right. You know, so I didn't really get it at all. Um, I always tell people that I, I don't know if my church didn't preach the gospel or I wasn't listening. Right. But either way, it's probably both. Yeah. <laughs> really. I wasn't listening to what they were saying and they weren't saying anything worth listening to. I don't, right. I don't think. Exactly. Yeah. So then back on the... Back in the hospital then. So are we there? Yeah, let's go jump back into the military. Yeah. Uh, So I'm in the military and I'm out here uh, for about a year doing the hospital thing. 
and I met someone out here in Palo Alto, a Brazilian girl. Ah. And within a year, I married her. I was 20 years old. I was really young. Go for it. But it's like (laughs) my buddies were all getting married. Yeah. They were getting houses. They were getting paid more for getting married. Really? You you get get more money if you get married. How? So you can support your spouse. How many? (laughs) They did like... For me, it was like, so they're pretty much pushing this. You know, the army is like, go get oh, married. Oh, you mean the military gives you more, more money. money. Oh, like they raised my pay just because I got married. And they gave me, I got to move out of the barracks. I was just thinking like, is there something I don't know about? Like, how It has does... nothing to do with your job. You don't have to do anything more okay. work, but they're going to give you more money if you're married. And I was just oh. like blown away by that. So I was like, what are, we, what are we waiting for? <laughs> So we, she was nineteen. I was twenty. We jumped right into it. She could barely even speak English. Wow! Like we didn't have long yeah. conversations or no. I don't imagine. You know, it was very. We used dictionaries sometimes and pointed at words with translation dictionaries wow. to talk to each other. And um, the first year here in the military, it was great. But then I got out, and. We were like, let's move to Orlando. I didn't want to move back to Michigan. It's cold. Yeah. yeah. My parents always talked about moving to Florida and retiring in Florida. And okay. My my grandma lived down there and my, my great aunt, my grandma's sister lived down in the Keys. Um, and we, we vacationed down there. And I loved Florida. So hmm. I thought, let's, let's try Florida. So we moved to Orlando. Wow. Um, and within six months to a year we got divorced okay so we weren't we were only married for about two years not even wow yeah what was it just different people or what like how did that well it it blindsided me okay because uh i was you know we got there and i i had made a decision on what i wanted to do you know working in the hospital yeah i had spent a lot of time talking with different nurses and doctors and i was going into nurse anesthesiology Nurse anesthetist. Yeah. Um, working in an operating room. But That's that, the hardest word to say. Anesthetist. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever announced it per- correctly. Anesthetized. But anesthetist. it was the, the, you didn't have to carry insurance. <laughs> it was high pay. Yeah. It was, um, yeah. you know, non, I was still in the operating room where I didn't yep. have to, you know, come home feeling traumatized every day. Right. Um, so I, I was going to school. And working full time, so I was absent, you know. And at twenty twenty one, I wasn't so aware of yeah. how to be a good husband as far as yeah. making her feel loved. <laughs> who, and who is at yeah, twenty two? I was so focused on starting our lives, you know. Right. Um, she couldn't really communicate with me hmm. um, on how she felt and what she, her needs were. Yeah, um, she just disappeared one day. Wow. And that really destroyed me. Just up and gone. I came home one day and she was gone. I didn't even know there was anything wrong. Whoa. Yeah. So there's, there's. Did you ever figure it out? Like what? Just recently. So, but I'm going to, that's later in the story. So, okay. It's crazy. Man. Um, at, but I don't want to. 
go jump ahead yet because well, I'm gonna write it, it down. We'll we'll get back to that. It uh, <laughs> this was a major turn in my life because yeah. it it I went from so focused and driven on where I was going and I had an idea of who I was going to be and we were just getting started in our, our lives together. Then all of a sudden I felt like betrayed, um, abandoned, um, zero self-worth. I stumbled out of school. I basically just dropped out. Um, my life took a really hard turn to not caring at all about what happened to me anymore. Like live or die. I didn't really care. Mm. It was like, I stayed away from certain things in my life prior to that, just cause I was scared of how it would, what it would do to me. Like, you know, experimenting in drugs and things like that, or mm. being around people that were living dangerous lives to, and also concerned of how that would affect my family, you know, my parents. Yeah. I mean, my mother was so, you know, spiritual and such a constant um, always in in the word and mm. talking about testimonies and how God is, you know, led her throughout her life. Um, and I wouldn't have wanted to let her down to, yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah. Now you're on the other end of the country and I'm down in Florida. Yeah. She's up in Michigan. Yeah. So they're not close to know what's going on in my life. I right. started hanging out with all the wrong people. Huh. Started trying everything, huh. you know, taking big risks with my life and I didn't know what was going to happen to me if I tried this and I did it anyway. I didn't care. (laughs) Um, To a point where I was even, you know, selling and, you know, to support my habits and things that I wanted to try. Right. Um, Up until one day I found myself tied up on a floor with a gun to my head. And that didn't even really bother me. Yeah, you're like, whatever. Yeah, I came home and talked about that to some friends, and they got, they were in tears. And I was talking about it like this. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a big deal. Um, And then I was still in contact with my my wife, my ex-wife, at that point. Um, I didn't know how to handle, because shortly after she left me, she did start talking to me again. Mm. Um, and, uh, we kind of stayed friends a little bit. I, I, I it was mm. weird. Cause I just didn't know how to compute everything. Wow. Um, and when she found out about that, uh, the whole gun to the head thing. Yeah. That really bothered her. And she started making calls and talking to friends back here in California. And, uh, got me a place to stay back in Palo Alto with a friend who was uh, an au pair in Atherton, Hmm. actually. 
and got her to you know take me in so I could get out of there. Wow. I wouldn't have left. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really care. Right. Were you working during that old time? Uh, no, I had quit jobs. I, I was being sustained by that lifestyle. Yeah. You were out way out there. And I had a lot of money too, because I started, again, I'm a people person and I was this really friendly, nice guy that didn't take advantage of people. Right. That everybody trusted. And so I moved up pretty quickly Thanks in the, for good in the business. ranks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I went from nobody to somebody uh, everybody knew. Right. And dealing with very bad people. Yeah. And being in very bad situations. But they all liked me because I never wronged them. And they knew I could be trusted. Right. It was so strange. How did the... How did it go wrong then? What was the, I mean, it was, <laughs> this the, is degrees of wrong we're talking about, but I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I was with somebody, you know, picking stuff up and ah. somebody broke into their apartment and tied us all up and robbed them. Oh gosh. Yeah. And you know, had us all down with guns to our heads and yeah. Yeah. Wrong. Place. They weren't, they weren't after me. They just happened. I just happened to be there, you know? Seems to be a theme. <laughs> yeah. But again, I mean, you, you, it's who you spend your time yeah, with. You're, yeah. You're, you're the company you keep, right? Exactly. Man. So. How long were you in, in uh, Orlando then? Two years. Two years there. So you're two years in the Presidio. Three, almost. So three yeah. years here, two years there. And I'm back here in 95. Back in 95. Okay. Yeah. So had that whole thing kind of happened early '95, and then yeah. she she within like two months later, I moved after that situation. Wow. Yeah, it was. It, it shook me. What what bothered me was the way other people reacted to it. Mm. Like so many people were in tears when they heard about it, and they're like, "You got to get out of here." Yeah. And you can't just like move up the street. No. <laughs> so no. I needed to get out of there, you know. That's what people say. A, a total relocation is, is like huge. Right. Huge for that. Because all your connections are gone. Right. The streets are different. Right. Yeah. I, hadn't, I didn't know anybody out here again. Right. So that's what brought me back to California. Yeah. Um, in 95. Did you have to go through any kind of uh, uh, treatment? program anything like no, that or you just... I just quit everything wow <laughs> yeah it was I was doing a lot of stuff but it wasn't any like one thing that I really mm. was doing a lot of I, I would just try everything right yeah everything <laughs> so you name it I probably have done it wow. it's pretty extreme because I, I I I think I look back at it and I think I was trying to end myself that's what it sounds like i was gonna say that it it sounds like it's not an addiction to substances it's just uh i was testing will this kill me how about this will this kill me right how about if i do too much of this some people take up hang gliding yeah (laughs) it was a very dark part of my life yeah where was your faith during that period from kind of like the, the getting married to the Orlando while we were married we did start to go to church and that was kind of another thing like when 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 she left and then when she came back a few weeks later 
<clears throat> we went to our pastor that we were going to a church and I tried to get him to convince her that what she was doing was wrong. Mm. But by that point, she had already made up her mind. And I was kind of starting to think that maybe she like left me for another man or something. And I mm. didn't think I could take her back. Mm. I couldn't accept that. Um, and yeah. that's something that I held on. I never really got clar- clarity on any of that or real the true reason why. Yeah. Um, and that was another thing the enemy held up to me, you know, kept me from ever being in another long-term relationship because right. of that. I could never trust anybody. Right. Couldn't remarry because I didn't trust anybody to stay married. Yeah. Or take the vows seriously the way, because when I got married, it was for life. Yeah, you said what you meant. Yeah, I never even considered it to be, no matter what, Mm. we were going to work through it, you know. Um, So Mm. that was just life changing for me. And I never could figure out how to forgive. I had a lot of resentment, a lot of anger. Yeah. That I held on to from that. Well, where do you go from that? So that's a, it's a rough spot. Yeah. To, to sit in. Yeah. I mean, the enemy used all of these, the thing, the grade school thing, the high school thing, the, the, the marriage. Mm -hmm. And then he used other situations like I'm, always been very giving and uh, helping people out and people took advantage of that throughout my life from roommates you know not paying rent or and then you know taking off you know to just people taking advantage of my kindness Mm. and I kept doing it but then I would hold anger I wouldn't forgive Right. And I'd have resentment. Huh. And I just can that the anger kept growing inside of me, you know, building up and yeah. started to hate people more and more, not distrust, you know. Yeah. I still loved people in a sense. When I met people, I gave them the benefit of the doubt and then they would let me down again and Yeah, you start to just expect that. Right. Anticipate it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, fast forward to here, me living a block away from here. Well, how long you how long you were in the you were in the au pair or okay? So I lived how, there how for like a couple years. <clears throat> uh, I uh, maybe yeah, almost two years. I stayed there. Okay. Um, and then I moved in like into Redwood City. I got a place with some friends that okay. I was working with. Um, started working at Sharper Image. That's, uh, okay. That was my first sales job in my life. I I was told I should be a salesman since I was a little kid. <laughs> um, which I, which one were you at? Which Sharper Image? Uh, Stanford Shopping Center. Okay. And then yep, I know that one. I went from there to um, managing that the sta- oh no the Sharper Image at Stanford Shopping Center for about a year or two. Okay. Um, really excelled as in sales to a point where my manager would brag. When she'd take smoke breaks out in front of the Bang and Olufsen, like four <laughs> stores up, and brag about me. Yeah. 
So one day the, the manager of Bang & Olufsen offered me a job and kind of stole me away from her. Smart. <laughs> yeah. And that's what got me into audio video sales. Okay. You know? Yeah. Because they had their own concept of home theater and right. high-end stereo equipment. <laughs> and I excelled there, um, became the manager of that store. Okay. And started working up at Union Square, the Bang & Olufsen right on Union Square yeah. in San Francisco. And I was managing that, the two stores, going back and forth. Okay. Not bad. Yeah. Was, that's a good... I did really good. As far as the world is concerned... That's I was good, having fun. That's a good turnaround. Yeah. yeah. I was really enjoying myself with that. And I was huh. enjoying San Francisco for the first time in my life and yeah. um, traveling a lot. Um, Bang & Olsen sent me to Denmark as I was top sales in the nation one year. And wow. Yeah. That was really awesome. I went to Europe a couple times. Um, I went to Brazil, which was odd because after... <laughs> being married to a brazilian girl <laughs> <laughs> <You're like laughs> I, I actually learned the language after we separated after after we that, separated that would have come in handy before maybe you'd think you'd think <laughs> uh, but i didn't have enough time <laughs> uh we got divorced too quickly but yeah and then i you know, traveled to brazil spent a month in brazil traveling around wow it was pretty amazing um so I did a lot of traveling at that part time in my life and yeah, I was having fun, but I was living in the world. So making sales, making sales, caring about people's opinions of me. Yeah. Um, enjoying things of this world. Yeah. You know, partying a lot with friends out here, going to clubs and things like that, that I'd never did before. Right. Um, that was a, pretty good time i'd say snowboarding you know go up to the mountains <laughs> go snowboarding nice that was that was really fun um back back when snowboarding was cool yeah <laughs> now everyone's so, dad does it it's so not for cool the anymore first year i did it i separated my shoulder and oh. a, a complete shoulder separation yeah Ooh. but that didn't stop me i, I still loved it live the dream yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then, uh, then I, the, the, actually the manager that was, that recruited me to bang and Olufsen had left and that's kind of how I took over as manager. Okay. And he came out to this high end stereo shop in San Jose and then he recruited me there. Okay. <laughs> that's from, the central, uh, century stereo, yeah. century stereo. They're right. out of business now. Okay. Um, about Bummer. a year or two ago, they closed down. Too bad. <laughs> yeah, they're since like 1950. They're started Whoa. out of a guy's gar garage. Yeah, really high end, you know, stereo audio equipment. Nice. But the digital age affected them too. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. If you're not ahead of it, you're behind it. Right. Yeah. So, I worked there for a few years. So tell me, okay, what made you so good at sales? Like, what did what was your what was your thing? Like, would you just I, talk I'm, to someone? Hey, I'm relationship sales. I I'm start talking to people i should become their friend friend yeah uh -huh. <laughs> i I, it's, I hated salespeople, so <laughs> i didn't like the, i you know didn't want to become a salesperson yeah because i don't like the whole pushy salesman-y con man yeah kinda, right car sales type type of sales and even when they would send us to sales classes and they would teach us a lot of those techniques i'd be like nah 
that's not me. What do I have to do to get you to go home with this? Yes, yeah, and you. <laughs> so, and I, I would do the exact opposite. I'd talk people out of stuff. <laughs> this is not for you. You know, I didn't know that that was an actual sales technique. You know, the takeaway. <laughs> you don't want this. Yeah, you can't handle you, this. You can't afford this. Yeah, or that's that's too much money. You don't need to be spending their money. It's too nice. That. Your ears can't tell the <laughs> difference anyway. Most people can't. I was know. more concerned <laughs> with giving them what they needed and not taking advantage of them and feeling mm-hmm. good about myself when I went home every day. Okay. So I I I was big in relationship sales, whether I knew it or not. You know, I, right. I enjoyed talking to people. It worked. Yeah. Huh? I, I excelled in it everywhere I went. That's kind of when I went off on my own, why I did so well. Yeah. Because all my clients stayed with me. Yeah. Because you know, you're, you're their friend now. I've known clients for 15, almost 20 years now. People that started with me when I, my first. Yeah. They've been with me all along. Every five years, they have to upgrade everything. Yeah, or some of them are even more often. Yeah. Buying new homes, you know. <laughs> I've watched their kids grow up, you know. So that, that Man. it's a personality thing yeah. that I didn't really have to work at, hmm. you know. I like it. Yeah. It was uh, interesting. And I enjoyed just, you know, conversations with people and getting to know people and yeah it was fun relationship sales right so that's <laughs> i mean that was also now looking back when we get to the the heart of this yeah god used all of that um all of these experiences getting me into sales yep. getting me to be that type of a salesperson, um, then going off on my own and starting my own business, hmm. um, building relationships with clients that stayed with me over the years, and I never really was like it was my business. I never did advertising or anything like that. It was my clients huh. sent, tell their sent people my way, you know. Uh, they they talk so highly of me. I know a guy. I never had to sell myself. When oh. when people would come to me, they were already. We want you. Whatever you say, we'll we'll do. Wow. You know, I didn't have to convince people to spend money. We would sit down and talk about what their needs are. I'd, I'd present them with what I thought, and they would say yes. <laughs> I. <laughs> it was that easy. It's good. Pretty much, I never <laughs> really was challenged. Uh, by anyone <laughs> um not bad yeah but but then again i usually was down selling people if anything they'd say you know i want to spend a little bit more or i can you know i can go bigger <laughs> so yeah i want to i want to be able to tell my friends how much this costs yeah some people were like that yeah i, I would that would always surprise me but i understood <laughs> later yeah you know <laughs> they they would want to say they bought the most expensive speaker or yep yeah it's pretty pretty amazing <laughs> um but god used those those relationships uh when when i needed them hmm. later in life not only to provide me with more clientele and more customers to keep things going right but then when life changed for me they stayed in my life um, hmm. as we're going to get to. Yeah. 
How close are we? Let's get them. I'm, I'm so eager. <laughs> let, now, let, okay, so, let, so We've been I'm, flirting I'm in with business for, for a little while. I want to tell one more experience that yeah. kind of goes back to me moving out here okay. in around 2011. Yep. And what, what this area was like. The hood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I was living a street one street over. Uh-huh. Um, by myself, had like a five-bedroom house, four-bedroom house, um, you know, three, four, yeah, four-bedroom house. Um, my friend's parents owned the property, and they, they had lived there prior, so I was able to get it at a really reasonable rate. Um, again, a friend I had known from earlier living out here came across my path and he was in need he, he was homeless or living out of his car okay so i let him move in with me and it was like going to be a temporary thing but then he kind of mm. maneuvered into staying interesting never yeah. really paid rent never came through um but always had a a reason or a problem or something An angle yeah An that angle. made me feel sorry for him right so i let it go <clears throat> and actually befriended someone from Resonate. He he was friends with someone from Resonate who huh. who then told me about Resonate. When was this? this 2011. This 12, brand, maybe 12, 13. Brand new. Brand new. Yeah. Yeah. 12 or 13 maybe now at this okay. point. Who's that? Can, can you shout him out? Who's jo it? Joseph. He owns uh, Mantiques. Joe Tarkini. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. And which everybody was funny, knows, and, and then he started dating a girl um, who was like best friends with Jill. Okay. So right. they had mentioned resonate to me. Um, oh yeah. I hadn't met Joe yet at that time. Okay. I met him after, <clears throat> uh, but his girlfriend talked told me about um, resonate. Okay. Who was friends with Jill? Yeah. And then um, they're great. The whole family's so cool. I love the Tarkinis. Really, really cool. Yeah. I mean. The way he, so this guy's living with me and then hmm. one morning I hear a banging on my door. Um, I answer the door and it's federal marshals with guns drawn, <laughs> like five or six of them on my porch with guns drawn to my face. And they asked me, does this guy live here? And I'm like, Some, yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And they like storm into the house. And I step out onto the front porch, and I got my little dog in my arms. He's a little guy, and he's shaking. And I look yeah. around the neighborhood, and it's, like, quiet. There's not a police car around. And, you know, I didn't even know who they were. They were just all in black, and they had, like, you know, shotguns and handguns, like, drawn in my face. And they, as they barged in, I saw Marshall on the back of their, right. uh, you know. Yeah, they come down. They creep down the street. Yeah. So, so I'm looking around the street and there's no nothing no. going on. I'm like, where did these guys come from? And I hear them clear, blah, clear, you know. Yeah. And I turn around and I'm looking in the house and then I turn back around and there's like six more guys standing <laughs> in my front yard. Ninjas. All, all drawn, weapons drawn on me. Federal ninjas. They pull me into the house. They put me in cuffs. They start throwing the house apart. They're telling Whoa. me I'm going to prison. I don't know what's going on. Okay. I have no idea what's going on. This is like, I can't believe this. Yeah. You know, 
they end up finding him. He went. He was hiding somewhere in the back because he knew what was going on immediately. He was home. He was home. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, okay. he knew what was going on. As soon as he heard them coming to the door, he went and hid. He knows the cop knock. I, I guess. Yeah. Is that one? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It was. I had no. I was. I was up sitting there having my coffee, getting ready for the day. Okay. You know. The dog. The dog thinks we're off. No, it was me. It was me. <laughs> and. Uh, Gosh. Man, it was. Wrong place at trauma, the wrong time, tra- man. Traumatizing. And this time I wasn't doing anything. You know, I was helping somebody. I had no idea. Yeah. They end up taking him away, and as they're taking him out, he's like begging them, "Don't, don't do anything to this guy. He doesn't know what's going on. He has no idea." You still don't. Yeah, I still don't know what's going on. But he's telling <laughs> the police, right, or the marshals that as they took him out, and then I call his mom because they left his cell phone there. So I call his mom, who lives back in Philly, and I have to tell her, you know, I don't know what's going on, but <clears throat> they just took your son and. And as as I'm speaking to her, I'm finding out all these lies that have been going on. To you? To me, from oh, him. Okay. And I'm finding out pretty much everything he's told me has been lies. Nah. So I start to get, you know, angry and resentment yeah. again. Another guy is taking advantage of me. And this is where, um, after that all, that situation happened, I had to call people because I found all this stuff that was stolen from all of his friends. In his room, when I went into his room, oh, eventually, great. he's got all, he had stuff from me. He'd gone through my drawers and taken clothing and taken things from my room. And then I'm seeing all this stuff and it's stuff from all these people that he's been acquainted with. Wow. So I end up starting to call all of his friends and inviting them over to Look go around. through it and take their own property. Wow. And Joe was one of those guys I called. And that's when I first kind of really okay. got to meet Joe. Okay. And what was astonishing to me, I have to say, is the way Joe handled it. Because I was very judgmental at the time. And I was not given any grace or forgiveness. <laughs> or, And I was like surprised and confused by... The way Joe was so forgiving Hmm. and so understanding and so quick to give grace and not to judge, it didn't make any sense to me. I didn't, couldn't understand it at the time. Yeah. I, I'm like, why is he, you know, he may almost like making excuses for him or that's the way I saw it at the time. Yeah. I was like. He was lying to everybody, he stealing from all his friends, and and Joseph mm. wasn't about to judge him at all. Hmm. He was given grace immediately and forgiveness, and I couldn't forgive. I had no concept of that. It was just another person that took advantage of me, right? that used me, that lied to me. The enemy was like filling me with anger and yeah. judgment and... Yeah. And Joseph was coming at it with love and forgiveness and understanding. And that made no sense to me. <laughs> yeah. I, he left, you know, I just, that blew my mind. And I, you're like, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. Why is he so nice? And like, yeah. why, why is he so forgiving of this guy? Why, right. Almost like I felt like he didn't, 
he didn't he let him get away with it kind of thing uh, but right in hindsight i understand now yeah. after going to resonate for a while yeah and what do you, seeing the kind of person Joseph is. What you do you know? think Joe would say is why he was that way versus being resentful and all that? Well, now I understand it's because it's not for Joseph to judge. Hmm. Joe wasn't judging him because he's not his judge. Yep. It's God who judges us, not not Joseph's place to to lay judgment on him or, you know, join me in putting him down or uh, pointing out his sins or yeah. his wrongdoings, you know? And I couldn't understand that at all mm. at the time because I had a long list of all the bad things that this guy had done that right. I had just found. I didn't even have an idea. It was all revealed after the fact, you know? Yeah. And it was blowing my mind of what a liar he was. Yeah. Like literally almost every conversation we ever had he was lying about everything. Yeah. As I talked to different people, we all, we all is. had different stories of the same thing. There's slightly different versions wow. of, and stories for men and stories for women. And all the women's stories were very similar and all the men's stories were very similar. Pathological. It was so mind blowing. I never met anybody like that before. Wow. And I'm telling Joseph all this stuff and he's not joining in on that destructive judgmental you know he was forgiving and didn't want to be a part of that yeah and i couldn't understand why he wouldn't join me <laughs> but i'm that's, so that's so impressed by it. i'm so impressed by that <laughs> right you know, now <clears throat> knowing now who i am that would still be difficult for me oh yeah so yeah. it was it really impressed me on yeah who joseph is like yeah what a good example he was at that moment whether i knew it or not you yeah. know and how he was living out his faith it was impressive that's that's a struggle that i've got constantly constantly is that that uh seeking to put someone down i think yeah i could judge you i still struggle you know? with that too even my my neighbors just moved in up here they've, they've been here for probably a year now and gosh every time i walk through that yard it's just some days i'm just like just steaming because mm -hmm. I, I don't i don't think they're super bright but they they come up with new ways to just get under my skin every single day. And that's the hardest thing. It's like, gosh, I should be witnessing to them through my character, if only. But I spend more time just irritated by, oh, there's rocks on my walkway. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, they left their garbage in them. I got to step over it. I'm just steaming on that a lot of times. The worst case, there's one fella... I won't bring his name up, but people who know him will know who it is. He he was a very trusted guy, went to church with me, went to small group with me, served in the ministry that I was in, teaching grade schoolers the Bible, sang on the worship team, scout master, uh, everything. Turned out he'd been 
cheating on his wife for years with men, gave her an STD, exchanged dirty pictures of kids with people from who all over the like. Wow. He went to prison for it for like a year, oh, and like all that stuff. Kept, like ten years, I sat next to the guy on the couch. I had no idea. Yeah, and that to this day still fries me. Mm-hmm. I have dreams. Mm. Like I'm talking within a month ago, I had a dream that I bumped into this guy. And normally, <laughs> normally when you're in a dream, you can't fight. You know, like you try to hit someone and you, you can't. I hit him. Hit him. <laughs> yeah. My my dream let me do it. That's so much like just this ugly thing is in there, and you know, uh, Scott, our, our one of our pastors. You know, I was telling him about that guy one time, and just like it's so so hard to let this go. And the the one thing that he said to me was like, "Man, what if Christ held against you the things that you deserve to be hit mm-hmm. for?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> yeah, I know. Like that's. I have no grounds to cast judgment. Right. Because what if I got the judgment I deserve? And then now I'm, I'm in a position to, to do that to someone else. Like, it doesn't, doesn't work. It doesn't matter what he did. It's not that, my place. That's one of my biggest prayers is to <clears throat> be able to forgive, be slow to judge, yeah. slow to anger, yeah. quick to give grace. I mean, it's so hard. (laughs) It's, you know, it's been, that's probably still my biggest struggle. Yeah. You know, if I'm not focused on him at all times, you know, it's, it's so easy to slip right back into that. Yeah. Things that are out of my control can still upset me so much. Yeah. And it's going to be, you know, that's another, that's the next thing he's working on me with right now. He's never done. Never done. (laughs) Nope. So, so after that experience, yeah. Um, I was in back by myself. Um, Joe mentioned you should go to you should try out resonate you know yeah um so that was the second person that told me about resonate <laughs> so technically they both kind of came from them because Jill's best friend told me about it because of Jill right you know yeah <laughs> so and then and then Joseph <laughs> mentioned it um and I considered I you know going there but then you know every time I thought about it you know, it's like, I got to give up my Sunday. Hmm. There are probably just a bunch of hypocrites like those other hypocrites. And I didn't right. really want to be part of a organized just be, religion. Just be let down again. The enemy just like flooded me with all these memories. Remember this? Remember mm-hmm. how these people were? Remember how this happened in your life? You know, why do you want to go back and just be exposed yeah. to that again and be yeah. let down and disappointed or... Yeah. So... That's then what I would do. I just never even went, you know? Yeah. So I continue on. I, I'm i starting to do really well. Uh, business has grown to a point where I'm traveling first class all the time, several times yeah. a year now. Um, I'm 
got a home gym set up in my place. I, you know, started a new relationship. Um, she moves in with me. We're traveling, going to Hawaii, you know, having great times. Nice. Um, Still living right here. Right here. Right I, I was living right here the whole yeah, time. Yeah. This is 2016. My dad passed. Oh, yeah. My dad passed in 2016. That was difficult. He was 89. Um, 60, okay. My parents were living in Florida then now for about 15 years. Yeah. Um, they had moved from Michigan down to Florida. I would go to visit them like once or twice a year. Okay. Um, and uh, I wasn't, again, I'm not like, I was confident my dad went to heaven. I was a believer, you know? Right. But I didn't believe I needed to live it. <laughs> you know, I was such a hypocrite. Mm. <laughs> I was the hypocrite that I was pointing out, <laughs> you know, Mark telling all these people are hypocrites. Right. But that was me, mm. really, huh. you know, because I believed it, but I wasn't even considering living it. I did, really mm. didn't understand it. Right. And I always kind of went back to, I'm that prodigal son, you know, mm. that I'm going out and doing whatever I want. Now, I'll, get, I'll get right later. Yeah. Right? yeah. Now, <laughs> through my life, I had really good examples of living it. My mom lived it. Yeah. Her whole life. From her actions even when i was doing all this craziness uh in orlando and moving back here and living a very worldly life yeah i couldn't have a conversation with my mom that we didn't pray that wow. that she didn't give me a testimony of something that was happening in her life that week or that someone else had told her or huh. that she had experienced and i was oftentimes annoyed by it you know it, 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 <laughs> yeah it, i know what I, you mean after this yes. this week's sermon where he was pointing out why some people don't like christians yep because of their their complete confidence in christ's love that annoyed me sometimes yep. that yep. how she was so confident huh. in these testimonies she would give me or these situations in life how God was working in her life, how God was working in other people's lives. It was like, yeah, whatever, you know, huh. I never said that, but sometimes I was just like, okay, mom, just stop. Yeah. <laughs> stop you're not going to convince me, right. you know, kind of thing. I know what you're and trying to do. And we'd still pray, she'd pray with me. <sighs> I mean, for, this is now 20 plus years, you know, wow. of, Another amazing example. Um, this is something I got to share. My brother um, went off to University of Michigan, um, top of his class as a as a chemical engineer, um, Cole valedictorian or whatever it was at University of Michigan, graduating like the Dang. tide is the top student. Okay, as a chemical yeah, engineer the navy little brain the navy snatched him up while he was going to <laughs> school there and started paying for his college and 
gave him made him an officer while he was still going to college he didn't even have to train or anything they were paying him to go to college and they wanted him to become a chemical engineer in the navy he left and then was you know in charge of a nuclear reactor on a aircraft carrier with the navy um just like excelling in life wow and he had like he was going to be rich beyond belief while through that time he left the navy and um there's some story to that and then he decided he didn't want to live of this world to a point where talk about dying to self huh. picking up your cross and following jesus my brother s- decided he didn't want to be a nuclear engineer or a chemical engineer he didn't want things of this world. He gave away all his possessions. Whoa. He started going on these pilgrimages where he would just go and walk and to a point where he wouldn't even keep have any money with him or anything and just completely relying on God to provide for him. Wow. It's He has a blog online that you can read his pilgrimages from 2000 to 2007. Huh. where he went on these walks and just walked where the Lord led him and spent his days praying and um, he wouldn't approach people or ask for anything. You'd literally have to, he would go to some churches and maybe stay the night or ask to stay, you know, yeah. or sometimes he would just go into a church and they would start conversations with him asking him what he was doing and right because he almost looked like a homeless person yeah just going for walks only had the clothes on his back and maybe a little backpack sleeping on the side of the road what and the lord would provide for him it's it's if if you read some of his vlogs it's so remarkable (laughs) um i think part of it was him testing his faith to see if you know right right the Lord will for real and but and which I think concerned my mom a little bit at first yeah but like he she was concerned he was maybe challenging God you know hmm. but when she realized it was really him just following God and allowing God to provide and putting complete faith in God will provide for me yeah to a point where people would give him money and he would give them back half and said I only need enough for today wow and Every day he was fed and he people would pull up on the side of the road, ask him what he's doing, take him home, feed him, spend the night there, and then he'd be off on his way. They'd send him off with money. They'd, it's it's just remarkable. It's the most amazing. And he did that for seven years? Yeah. Uh, one year, 2004, he didn't do it. Okay. But um, from 2000 to 2003... Then he didn't walk on 2004 and 2005, 2006, and 2007. He did it. Wow. And it's all online. You can read his journals, <laughs> and it is remarkable. It is. So you're, you're hearing of, of these so things. So when he started doing that, when he decided to give up things of this world, yeah. it, he had already left the Navy. He had already... We, 
we were raised when we were little we went to a baptist church and then we went to the lutheran schools um when he was in the navy he had a relationship with a, a catholic girl and when he got out of the navy he actually um joined the dominicans the roman catholic mm-hmm. church and he was in seminary for two years to become a priest Whoa. and then left there partially on their request because uh <laughs> too radical well he struggled with the politics and the wealth in in big yes. institutions yes that challenged you know his what he sense. understood and and then he started his pilgrimages after that this is all in the in the states like where was he walking around yeah where? in the states he like would start in florida and then start walking north and walk up through you know up into kentucky and Tennessee oh and work like walking up to Michigan <laughs> from Florida. So he's spending like a lot of time just like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like, and a lot of times he he's w- that guy. He, he, I think he, the first one he started like on the Appalachian trail. Yeah. And then it, that went off to, as he walked and walked and God kind of led him to the road and then he started walking up and then stopping in churches and on Sundays and just attending the sermon and then leaving and going walking and then people that saw him at church when they were driving home were like would stop on the side of the road and say hey didn't weren't you just at the church right what are you doing and then (laughs) walking so and then he would tell them i'm following god you know where god leads me and then they were so interested in that they would say do you want to come home and we'll feed you and you can spend the night and then We'll take you a little bit further up the road and then you you can go from there sure and he he's not a conversationalist like i am um he's, he's not one for small talk <laughs> so but if you want to talk about his faith and want to talk about god right, right he was he would have long conversations with him about that wow so, I mean, I just started reading his pilgrimages this last, like when I was going through what I went through recently. Yeah. Um, not to give anything away, but huh. um, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I started reading and it was, and a lot of the stories I had already heard much of it just by talking with my parents and knowing yeah. what was going on. Right. But a lot of it was just remarkable that how much faith and trust he had in God to provide yeah, and complete. Now he, he, he's continued this in his life and still lives this to this day. He now is a a part of a, a Mennonite community. Yeah. They're almost Amish like, yeah, Um, pretty close, but they use technology and things like that. But some people, some of them dress very Amish like, right. And they live in a community and they get, and some, some of them will, um, share their their um, finances. Yep. It's a farm. It's a farm um, community up in Plow Creek, Illinois. Wow. And he he has a retreat ministry there, and he's lived there now ten plus years. And he has a huh. he's married to a, a girl who was raised um, in France. Her parents were missionaries. Um, and they, they live, you know, he, he does not live of this world. He does not care of possessions or fancy things. Yeah. It's, it's 
he's a true example of dying to self. Now, even though I saw that stuff mm. and I acknowledged that what he was doing and, you know, I would think to mom, like, this is what you want, right? He's a good Christian man. Right. It wasn't my way. I was still too enamored with the world and hmm. fancy things. And I was selling high-end audio video and yep. going into big, beautiful homes and buying nice things for myself, clothing and traveling mm -hmm. and yeah. loving the world and so concerned of other people's opinions of me and, mm. or at least their what they thought how I lived, you know. I wanted to look like I was even wealthier than I actually was. Mm. Um, owning things, more possessions, you yeah. know. That's yeah. all that really mattered. I never thought of God at all. Yeah. I was yeah, so out of there. the world. He's out there. And I acknowledged mm. what he was doing, but that was his life and his decisions. So right. even, again, I would, kept thinking, I'm the prodigal son, mm. you know. I'm living and doing and enjoying the world. Yeah. And then when it comes time, then I'll acknowledge God and I'll be saved. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's easy. I mean, he's already you got it all planned out. Yeah. He's already <laughs> paid the, he's already paid the price. So <clears throat> why should I, you know, <laughs> suffer? Yeah. Why can't I enjoy this life? You right. know? So <laughs> even with those examples, I didn't really, get it you know yeah and then uh hmm. right about this time of the year actually next week or this week 2017 yeah thanksgiving i traveled um back to michigan and to illinois i flew my mom first class from florida up there you know, hmm. for a big family reunion thanksgiving and uh it was awesome you know, uh, both my side of the family, my dad's side of the family, we had a little Thanksgiving in Illinois, and my mom's side of the family, we had a big 52-person reunion Thanksgiving, um, wow. which really brought her f side of the family back together. Um, it was my idea. Huh. I wanted to have a Thanksgiving like I did when I was a kid, but everybody was all grown up, and they had kids, and they had kids had kids, and they didn't do that anymore. Right. So this was kind of a big deal for everybody to get back together. But my mom was now turning 79, I think around there. And she wasn't planning on spending, going back to Michigan very often. So everybody agreed to do it. Mm. Um, and after Thanksgiving, I flew home that Friday and I was in a lot of pain. My, I had abdominal pain. Mm. Like I thought, man, Shouldn't have had that second Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> it's that midnight turkey. Sandwich, <laughs> I guess I man. overdid it, you know. Dang it! And I was in extreme pain flying home. It's a good thing I was first class because I don't know if I could have handled it. You're squirming all over the place. Yeah. yeah, and they, you know, fed us, but I didn't eat. Um, right. Got home. The pain continued. Two days three days having a medical background I knew okay I got I gotta go see a doctor yeah something's wrong here 
I'm I'm bent over in, in pain. I can't eat now. It's been mm. like four days. I can't eat. Um, things aren't working right. So I I go into a little uh, um clinic just to get a checkup kind of thing. And uh, he puts a stethoscope on my abdomen and within two seconds says, you got to get to an emergency room. I'm like, okay. So I, and this is off of Maori, you know, right, right across from where church is. There's a little uh, clinic there right by the gas station. Right. Um, I was just there a couple weeks ago. Yeah. 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 So, uh, they tell me to go to an emergency room. So I don't know where to go. I've been living in this area now for six years. You know, I know the Kaiser over there and there's, you know, Washington hospital off of mm-hmm. Maori. I just get in my car and I start driving. Okay. Without an idea of where I'm going to go. <laughs> this is kind of really surreal for me because it was like, I went into autopilot. I didn't have an idea of a destination. I just started driving. And I was thinking, okay, when I see a hospital, I'm going to pull in. <laughs> but I start, I go by the Kaiser and I look at it and I just kept driving. I didn't even know why. I even thought to myself, why did I just pass that hospital? Huh. And then Washington Hospital was coming up. I pulled in and went into the emergency room. I spent like three or four hours there waiting because they didn't think it was an emergency. Um, Mm. I was just having abdominal pain. You know, I could just be constipation. That's not an emergency. So they made me wait quite a while before a doctor saw me. And then uh, within about an hour of a doctor seeing me, they sent me up for a CAT scan within a half an hour after that a surgeon was sitting at the end of my bed telling me I have a massive tumor and they have to check me in for an emergency surgery whoa it's got to come out immediately now by this point I'm in so much pain I, I'm i just like whatever do what you gotta do get it out of me <laughs> I, I can't stand the pain anymore yeah. they offered me morphine it didn't touch the pain Mm. and they came in to give it to me again i said you know what don't even bother because that i don't i don't don't notice a difference you kill me before you do anything yeah Yeah. i'm in so much pain this is not helping so don't bother it's just you're just wasting my money um (laughs) and they said okay well then they upped me to dilaudid which is like seven times morphine yeah which didn't stop the pain but it made me not care <laughs> so I was just trademark like, of whatever really good stuff <laughs> right so they checked me in um my oh. girlfriend comes in you know to check on me they didn't do the surgery the next day they wait because I I had opted they told me you know if we do the surgery you're gonna have a colostomy bag hmm. so maybe we could put in a stint and then do the surgery the day after um and we can avoid that. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's go with that. That, yeah. 
And uh, I can wait. <laughs> the 24 hours went by and they didn't do anything. And then the doctor came in and said, we can't, we can't put in a stent. We're afraid your colon's going to explode. Um, you have complete blockage. We have to do the surgery. Man. So I'm like, whatever, just do it. So uh, I had the surgery. I come out of surgery. I wake up from the surgery. The first thing I do is I lift up my shirt, you know, the gown to see if I have a colostomy bag. Right. And I don't. And there's a surgeon standing at the end of the bed, and he's like, I'm not the one that did the surgery, but I got to tell you, it's a miracle what that guy did. Huh. He's like, you got really lucky. He said, this is the best surgeon for this specific thing. He's got the most experience with this. The guy you got, you just happened to come on the right day, <laughs> you know? Um, and it, it was a miracle. That's all I can say. That's, this is what the doctor said. Yeah. Um, I was just happy. I didn't have a colostomy bag at yeah. that time. So now for the recovery portion, um, I get put up on a ward and you're waiting for things to start working. And uh, it was bad. Mm. Um, you know, the tube down the, in the nose, down the throat, you know, it was very uncomfortable. I was in a lot of pain. Almost a week had gone by and nothing was working. And they were starting to get really concerned because my levels were dropping. I'd withered down to about a hundred and... 3,840 pounds. I was at like 195 when I came in. Um, <laughs> they they were afraid wow. to do a... They thought they were going to have to do a blood transfusion, but they were afraid it could kill me. So they didn't want to. They were trying to wait it out. <laughs> um, I was just in so much pain and so uncomfortable... And it was, didn't look like it was going to, I didn't feel like I was going to survive. I got to the point where mm. I had had a really bad night and then, you know, my girlfriend had come in and my buddy was there. My best friend was there and I was just so tired and angry and weak I, I couldn't do, take it anymore so I, w I wanted to die and I told them I can't I can't do this anymore I'm not gonna make it you know I'm, I'm gonna die so I started asking them you know can you take care of my dog you know promise uh -oh. me you're gonna take care of my dog um, tell my mom you know I'm sorry I, I don't have any more energy this is not yeah they it wasn't working out and we were kind of solemn they were sitting in the room with me they were trying to cheer me up and stuff but it wasn't happening and I was well medicated I was still like every 10 minutes I was pushing this button mm. getting very highly medicated just to deal with the pain um, and then like 
it was almost midday and all of a sudden this is almost unexplainable I felt this like this peace wash over me yeah. like the pain was gone I wasn't angry anymore I wasn't frustrated. I was like numb to all of that discomfort and frustration and anger. And I heard in my head, you're going to be okay. And I kind of sat up a little bit in my bed because <laughs> it startled me. And I was trying to like figure out, is this the meds? Am, am I like... <laughs> But I, I, felt, I felt completely sober all of a sudden. It was like I didn't feel like I was medicated at anymore. Mm -hmm. And I heard it again. You're going to be okay. And I started to get excited. <laughs> and I like said to them in the room, hey, hey, guys, I'm going to be okay. And they looked at me <laughs> kind of startled, like confused. <laughs> and I heard it again. And I felt just so wonderful <laughs> mm. it was such a unfamiliar feeling especially at that moment yeah like i cannot explain how wonderful i felt at that moment huh. like complete utter peace and <laughs> it's just no words can explain what i was feeling that that moment and I started all of a sudden like I knew I like I immediately at that point knew God this was God mm. like I started seeing all these events in my life me going through that getting arrested in high school and mm. get, getting sent to a pr public school which sent me to the military which sent me to California, which then <laughs> got married and moved to Orlando, which then divorced and sent me back out here. And then all of these things that had happened in my life, which drew me to this moment to be right here in this bed, right at this moment, huh. at this hospital with that surgeon. Huh. It was just all of a sudden everything was clicking like I was freaking out hmm. and I called my mom and started telling her what I was f experiencing and she was excited. I, I, I think my girlfriend and my friend were confused and ups uh, they were getting upset actually because huh. they thought I was dying. They yeah. thought I was losing, was losing my mind. Right, <clears throat> right. My my friend went home that night. He told me he went home and wept. Thought for sure I wasn't going to make it another night. Whoa. He thought I totally just went, lost it. Yeah. You know? Um. Whoa. Yeah. And I was starting to tell my mom, Mom, I'm seeing this th these things. I'm telling her, God is going to use me, Mom. God is going to, 
use me to heal people's marriages. I was saying stuff like that. <laughs> I, I was like, I can see how he's, he's going to use me to help my friend and his family and how he's going to use this and to share with this. I was just saying all these crazy things. And I even saw these visions of me being a witness in front of all these people. And I was just sharing this with my mom. I didn't tell my girlfriend or my friend this because hmm. I knew they wouldn't understand it. She she was praying with me at that moment. She was praising God. Now, we still hadn't gotten the results back from my surgery on what stage I was. Right. If they got it all, if it had spread. Yeah. <laughs> None of that. Right. The rest of that day, I am pumped. Every nurse that comes in, I got to share with her. God saved me. I'm I'm going to be okay. Okay, this one nurse comes in and she's taking my vitals and everything and I'm smiling. Like I went from angry and frustrated and upset and sad that whole week. Every nurse that came in, it was just like, you know, to like, hi, how you doing? And yeah, it was such a, it had to be so (laughs) weird for them. And this one nurse comes in and she's taking my vitals and I'm sharing with her that I'm going to be okay. And God saved me. And she says, you should, you should go to resonate <laughs> and tells me about resonate church. <laughs> and, and then I'm like, oh, that's the third time I've heard about resonate. And my mom's always told me when you hear things in threes, it could be coming from God. So I'm going to resonate. I'm definitely going to go to resonate. And I was so happy, you know, I, I, the rest of that day, I was just on cloud nine, you know, who's this, who's this nurse? Um, what was her name again? Her last name was love. Love. That's right. And I, I have her, I would, I have to look it up. Um, nurse love. Yeah. Oh, that's a perfect name for a nurse. Gosh, how could you not be happy to see nurse love? (laughs) There's another, there was another nurse, um, also with the last name love that came in and talked to me and he, uh, Jocelyn, Jocelyn love, Jocelyn love. And, uh, she, uh, there's another nurse that came in and he said his last name was love. And we got into a conversation because I was telling him about what happened to me. And then he tells me he's Jewish. Hmm. But then he tells me he's a, um, he's Jewish, but he believes in Jesus. He's a Messianic Jew. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know what that was. Right. And we had a great conversation. And he was studying the books of, and he was teaching Hebrew. And yep. he was studying the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I still have him contact with him um we've never been able to get back together yet and have a conversation but Mm. we've emailed messaged each other a few times so the next morning this was on a wednesday okay when this all went down okay thursday morning the doctors come in the surgeon comes in and says we've got the results um 
you're stage three, but we got all the tumor. We got the whole tumor. Um, and none of the lymph nodes were positive. So it didn't spread at all. So we got it all. Wow. Um, Bullseye. So we just need you to recover. And, uh, you know, things still need to get working before I can. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to have anything by mouth, not even an ice cube. Yeah. Because if things aren't working, they can't put anything in. <laughs> so I was still withering away. But later that day, that, that following morning, Thursday, I, things started working. And I walked out of that hospital on Friday. Wow. Less than 48 hours from the moment when I said I was going to be okay. Wow. <laughs> if that's not a miracle. <laughs> that's pretty. I mean, I went from death to life and <laughs> walked out of there. It was. Hmm. Now, now I leave there and I am. I'm so convinced of God's love for me now because of all the things I've just said prior to this, I am so undeserving. I mean, I've done everything wrong. <laughs> I have, there's no reason to be saved. There's no reason for him to love me. I couldn't be more undeserving but he still saved me and I was I was so sure that my life was changed at that moment you know mm. I was going to live completely the opposite and I knew that going forward whatever he led me or whatever he wanted of me the rest of my life was for for him it was his because hmm. i was dead to this world that that point yeah and it was kind of just the beginning of my struggle because now i had to go through chemo going forward i yeah. i had to i wasn't going to be able to work anymore right um i was still like if you looked at me i looked like death hmm. i was a shell of myself. I was, I looked like I was anorexic. I, you know, I, I was. When you're probably still not, not eating a lot. Right. I had, I, chemo, I, I had just had one little meal at that point when I went home. Gosh. As soon as I was able to digest something and keep it down, they released me. Yeah. Um, just keep doing that. <laughs> so I was so anxious and wanting to go to resonate but i was told by this the doctor that i was going to be seeing for for chemo that i couldn't go and be around people i still mm. had to be my immune system was so low yeah and that i had a long road ahead of me yeah so it was going to be a while before i could go to church okay so i come back out here to block away from here mm -hmm. and uh i'm starting to realize I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to stay here. I can't. All my savings is going to be eaten up in rent and bills right. and utilities and just surviving. I'm not going to be able to work for at least a year. Yeah. So I had to shut my business down, being self-employed, no income. 
I couldn't even get in and out of bed by myself. I mean, I couldn't sit, get up out of a chair by myself. I had all my muscles were like, I would had withered away to nothing. Yeah. I couldn't sit down by myself. I had a huge scar, you know, they had opened up my abdomen. I yeah. couldn't do anything by myself. So my girlfriend literally had to quit her job to take care of me. Whoa. Cause we couldn't afford to have a full-time nurse. So now we're living off of my savings and we're making decisions really quickly about how are we going to survive now? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I really wasn't concerned. I knew at that point, I was so sure God's got this. He just, <laughs> this is, while you're reading your brother's, uh, <laughs> right now I hadn't even started reading it yet, but I thought back of that, like, yeah, God provided for him for years. Yeah. I know he's got me. He just saved my life. So, and I was, uh, n no question it was God in mm -hmm. my mind. I mean, no one could v convince me any other way that God loved me yeah. after what I had just went through and what I felt in that, that hospital bed that day. So while it was very traumatic and scary for my girlfriend, I wasn't really afraid and then all of a sudden God started providing. Mm. Like, I remember how I said I had these relationships with clients. Yeah. Literally clients started offering to come and pick me up and take me to my doctor's appointments. Mm. Clients lived in Palo Alto, would drive across the bridge, pick me up, <laughs> take me back across the bridge to my doctor appointment, and then take me back here. And sit with me and wait with me while I'm at my doctor's appointments wow. to help my girlfriend. Started sending um, money. Client, all these clients started stepping up, saying, "You should have. You really undercharged us. Here's two thousand dollars. You, <laughs> you, we, you, we really should have paid you. That. I, I, I can't tell you how many people just sent me money, and most of them were clients." It was blowing my mind. Mm. These relationships, they've told me I was like family, sending me food, coming and visiting me. Wow. It was, God used those relationships, used yeah. that type of, those life experiences to build these strong friendships with these clients who had stuck with me 5, 10, 15 years. I had, wow. I had clients come and visit me in the hospital when I was still going through it. These are just customers. <laughs> it, it 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 was like, wow. Really, it it made me feel loved. Like, yeah. wow. Like, not just my friends, but customers were all stepping up and taking care of me. <laughs> and I realized I wasn't going to be able to continue to live here. And one of my clients offered me to move into her guest house her pool house and she said you and your girlfriend can come move in here i was going to be going to get my chemo um in mission bay ucsf okay and she lived in hillsboro right right in the burlingame area so it was really close by yeah and easy for me she said you don't i've you know she, i i wasn't sure if that was a good idea i wanted her to talk to her kids even though her kids didn't live with her 
I didn't want them to think, you know, I was mooching off their mom or, yeah, you know, uh, and she talked suspicious. Yeah. She (laughs) talked to her kids. She said it was really my decision, but I'll talk to my kids first. And they were okay with it. And she moved me into her guest house. I had (laughs) one of my clients paid for movers to come and move my stuff. He, he took his employees of, from his company, sent them out with a truck, and moved me. <laughs> Another customer. Um, and we moved into this guest house. And we, she said, you can stay here while you go through chemo. No rent, no utilities. Wow. So, you, you know, just... This is the spot you're still there. This is where I live now. Yeah. Still, to this day. Wow. And... Um, That's amazing. It's... I mean, if that, my mom was just like, God is providing for you. Yeah. God is putting you in (laughs) positions. He's taking care of you. And over the next six months while I went through chemo, like within the first two months, uh, paying rent and utilities and paying off some of the bills, I, my savings went down to nothing. Hmm. I was almost broke completely. So by the time I moved into her guest house, I was really, I had no money, but I had car payments. I had some credit card payments. I had consolidated some of my other cards. I canceled them all and consolidated them into a one time, once a month type thing. But I had to keep paying these bills, you know, and I had no income, zero. And I would, every morning I would get on the phone with my mom and we would, pray we would talk about how god was working in my life and then we would pray about the next thing expense that was coming up Hmm. and like my brother's pilgrimage god always provided every Hmm. every time like often it was like the day before it was due I would get a random card from somebody with just enough money for what was needed for that bill. And I would call my mom and tell her, and she's like, oh, I haven't talked to that person in years. (laughs) It it was just (laughs) mind-blowing. And over and over and over again, he came through. So there was no way to even question it, that it was real. Hmm. Uh, I mean, two, three, four months, five months. Now, from the outside, now my life's changed completely. Now I'm like all in on on God and that Jesus has saved my life. And I am changed. Hmm. I'm a changed person. I'm. I have no problem sharing what God just did with me. But from the outside, people are seeing my life and it's getting worse because (laughs) I've lost my job. Yep. I've now I can't afford rent. I'm living in somebody's pool house. I'm going through chemo. So I'm getting sicker Mm. and the more you go through chemo, the worse it gets. Yeah. The sicker you get. Yeah. Every time it's a little worse. You're poisoning yourself. Yeah. You know. What they say is you 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 hope the cancer dies before you do. Right. 
That's it. So they're they're doing this more as a, even though they got it all because right. colon cancer is such a reoccurring type cancer. Yeah. They want to make sure that during the surgery, no particles or pieces or anything got spread. Right. So they want to make sure they got it basically. Um. About four or five months into the chemo, my girlfriend left me. It was too much for her. So the whole... I was going to ask you about that. Living in the guest house, not working. She hmm. was she was about to go back to work at her job. But I think it was just all, you know, the, our lives completely got turned upside down. Yeah. And every day I'm talking about how great God <clears throat> is. So mm-hmm. even though it looks like it's getting worse, and it is getting worse, <laughs> I mean, right. in the world, as if you're judging it by the world standards, my life was still getting worse, mm. which they say a lot of times, you change your life, you give your life to Christ, it's not always going to get better. It, as a matter of fact, it might get worse. You're, ne- you're never promised. Right what you want right <laughs> so by the world standards uh, people my friends and that outside yeah. looking in right they're like bro <laughs> it's not so great right you know um well, and then and then when you start talking about the jesus stuff right they probably feel like you used to like uh yeah here he goes again why is he so confident yeah how can he be so confident and i'm sharing he's paying my bills i'm i'm not late on anything not once Hmm. and i'm so excited about this and because of what he's done and what he just did and how he's continuing to come through for me even though from the outside it looks like it's worse i'm at a peace that i've never experienced before i'm not relying on myself to provide for myself now Hmm. I'm completely trusting God's got this. Yeah. And it's such a freeing, <laughs> uh, uplifting, it releases all the weight off of your chest. It releases all the expectations. It, yeah. It, I'm not driving this vehicle anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just a passenger now. Yeah. It's easy. You have a front row seat. Right. To see what he's doing. Yeah. And because of the love and the peace that he's just overflowing me with by all these people reaching out, these clients, these customers stepping up like unbelievably. That's incredible. It's, I'm feeling so loved. Yeah. It's, you can't get down. Even when she left, it was sad and it was a very bad situation she it it wasn't just leaving it was an attack on me Mm. like holding me like resenting me and holding me responsible for what has happened in her life um but i that that couldn't even defeat me i was still Hmm. thankful so and I'm still getting sicker to a point where now my my hands and feet went numb completely up to the wrist and up to my ankles. Oh, gosh. So they, they decide to stop the chemo maybe a month early. 
so I went through five months instead of six months of chemo. So because they stopped the chemo, now I can go to resonate hmm. for the first time. So this is then Jul late end summer, of June, early yeah. July. I think July 20, is of twenty seventeen. Twenty eighteen. Twenty seventeen was when I had the cancer. Thanksgiving. Okay, twenty eighteen summer. I'm okay, almost done with chemo. June. Wow. I started in like February. Yeah. February, March, April, right. May, June, end of June. I stopped stopped. Okay. So like early July, maybe the first Sunday of July. Yeah. I get to go to resonate <laughs> for the first time and I'm pumped. Yeah. I can't wait to go to this place. Did you call Joe? We're like, Joe, I'm coming. <laughs> I had no connection with him. So I oh. didn't even know how to reach out to him. He was probably standing there when you walked up. He was, I would have recognized him. Yeah. Um, I went to the early <laughs> service. Okay. And uh, I remember, you know, Steve Mills, I remember. <laughs> and uh, how welcome I felt. The best friend you never met before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, yeah. the first person out. I, I for, for Somebody standing out by the parking lot and then somebody, you know, approaching you as you get around the corner there. Yeah. And then, you know, feeling a little confused or cautious as I walk in. And they had just started singing um, music when I walked in. And just like, when I heard them, hmm. I was just like, yes. Hmm. The music really was the first thing that I was just like, yeah, this is the right yeah. place. And... uh <laughs> Ryan's sermon that day was about how God allows us to lose things in our life. And he said, you may, you may, you may have lost financially. Yeah. You may, you may have lost a, a relationship. <laughs> you may have uh, health problems. And I'm I'm literally weeping at this point. Is there like, a spotlight like on you? <laughs> everything he's saying is my life right now. Yeah. Like literally. And he's explaining how God allows these things to be taken away. So we're completely relying on him yeah. and we only can see him. And I'm like he's preaching to me yeah. right now. Yeah. This is this is exactly what's good. After his sermon I went up to him and I told him, yeah. you know, I, I, I've lost everything. My business, my health, yeah. my girlfriend. Uh, and he took my head, held it to his chest and prayed with me. And I was weeping. Um, and I left there like, mom, huh. this is, this was just another affirmation. This was all God's plan, you know? All of these things that have happened in my life brought me to resonate yeah. that day, to, to experience that, that sermon, yeah. to again to encourage me that I was right in the right place. I was yeah. God's plan was so powerful and so amazing and so perfect. <laughs> it was mind blowing, you know. I 
I was so thankful for all of these terrible things that had happened to me. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, it's just so surreal when I try to tell people, I'm glad that all this, I'm so glad I got cancer. (laughs) It was the best thing. That's a crazy statement. It was the best thing that happened (laughs) in my life. It, it, it destroyed this world that yeah. I was living in. Yeah. And turned it upside down. <laughs> that's it's that's truly an impossible statement. If if it weren't for the fact that the gospel's real. You, you, there's 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 no way that computes. It's error. Like, there's no, it doesn't make sense if it weren't for, yeah, it's the truth. So, I fill out one of those little cards at that sermon. Yep. I'm a new, I'm a new person, you know, at Resonate. And within a a day or two, I got a response from... Tuesday, probably. Yeah, Yeah. Pastor Marty. Yep. Inviting me... They happened to be having a new member or a new guest. New guest um, barbecue. Barbecue, right? Marty's house, yeah. <clears throat> and it was that week, so I got to go. Cool. And <laughs> that was a great experience. Um, it made me feel so wonderful and so welcomed at Resonate. It it began my relationship with. Pastor Marty, who mm-hmm. really became my closest friend and mentor at the church. Um, I then joined his MC mm-hmm. that next session that came up. Um, he jumped right in. <laughs> and th- I, I made a decision like, okay, God, whatever you put in front of me, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. There's no more living right. for me anymore. There's no more, this is my life. I want to do what I want to do. It's like, whatever you present to me, I'm going to say yes. And because everything you've done up to th- this point has been right. So yeah, everything I did was wrong. Every decision right. I made for my life was the wrong turn every time. So I'm not driving this car anymore. It's all you. Um, and that's still a struggle yeah. because whenever you, I'm so easily distracted <laughs> and I'm so quick to forget, you know, if I let my guard down for a second, I try to grab that wheel, you know? Well, and it's also hard because God will ask you to do some very scary things. <laughs> and if you're in the habit of saying yes to things, they just get more increasingly like intimidating what are we doing here where's this going you sure you know what you're doing (laughs) yeah Yeah. let me just delvin delvin had that that video talking about the setup crew at one of the sermons yep and i was like okay i'll try that yeah is that what you that sounds interesting Uh uh-huh and I so I went once just to see what it was about. I'm an, I'm a morning person. I I'm up early anyway. 
Good. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm coming from Hillsboro. You know, oh, that's right. when I would yeah, go to yeah. Marty's MCs, sometimes it would take me an hour and a half to get there. Oh, yeah. This is the wrong way to go. Right. I'm From fighting traffic. Here, yeah. There's no good way. Right. Yeah. But uh, one time with the setup crew and I was, I'm on it. <laughs> I'm part of this. This is, I, I loved the fellowship. Yeah. It was a way to get to know other people there at the church. I felt so, whenever I'm at Resonate, I feel so much closer to God. Yeah. I feel surrounded by his love. I I want to be there as much. That's why I'm there so much, you know. Yeah. From start to finish now. You, you, I know exactly what you, I was there so much they started paying me to be there. <laughs> I, it was great. <laughs> it's like I can't, if they're open, I'm there. Yeah. I, 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 that's where I'm at now. But, um, it started with the setup crew. Yeah. We were, we were counting down to moving at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I did it for about three or four months. It was. Yeah. Cause it uh, wasn't, it wasn't long after that. It was that following year, early that following year. And then by the end of the year, so I did it for about six, seven yeah. months and then right. we moved. Yeah. Um, after maybe two sessions of the MCs, I became an apprentice. Right. Um, there too. I mean, just sharing with the MC about what was going on in my life. I was hesitant to be completely honest because I didn't want people to bail me out or help me or mm. feel responsible for me. Right. But several guys did start taking care of me, like sending me money randomly and like literally i would get a message god put this on my heart this morning mm. and venmo me some money and it was literally what exactly what i needed for that next bill like the next day or two Crazy. days later it was just <laughs> it was still going on now this was like a year over a year and god is still providing every time yeah and i gotta keep sharing this with the guys like this is mind blowing. It's just, he never fails. He's so faithful. That's why when we're singing that, I'm in tears. Yeah. When, when he's talking about that, it, I start crying at church all the time just cause I'm living it. <laughs> he's, he's doing it in my life over and over and over again. It grabs my heart and squeezes and I want people just to know this love, to understand the more you turn over your life to him, the more you mm -hmm. allow him to guide you, the more you commit to him, he's not going to let you down. It's yeah. so amazing. So, so even recently, um, we move into the new church. I become part of the greeting team. Yep. Um, and I start staying for all three services. I'm right. there from start to finish just because I love it. And I want to be around everybody. And uh, then the, the shelter in place starts. Hmm. And when the shelter in place started, I was just about to start back working. 
I had a big project I was about to start literally okay. the, that week when we locked down. Yeah. I was also going to come and do this. That, yeah, that's that right. Monday. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And then lockdown happened and canceled it. And I'm kind of yeah. glad it did because more has happened. I mean, oh, God, no. is, God, is, God is still <laughs> so... During the, the lockdown um, or the, sh- the shelter in place, you know, I was spending more time doing, starting reading my brother's mm. pilgrimage. I was sharing that with the guys from the MC. Some of the other guys started to read it a little bit. Um, my ex-wife from 28 years prior. Oh, that's right. I had a, okay. I have a note. Brazilian out of, lady. Out of nowhere sends me a text message. And I wasn't going to respond because she destroyed my world. Right. Uh, I had no reason to want to talk to her again. Um, she's like, you're never going to believe who this is. This is your <laughs> ex-wife. From, you know. So I don't respond to her. I actually, I actually uh, contact two of my brothers in the MC. Mm. I'm an apprentice with one other guy. And you're like, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> and it was interesting because they both were, I didn't even want to call my mom about it because i figured she'd be like don't, don't talk to don't, that yeah yeah she, she out of wanting to protect me from being hurt again yeah you know and i talked to them about it and they both encouraged me to respond um they said at least to share your testimony and i thought yeah this would be a good yeah. opportunity yeah to at least just tell her what's happened in my life it's been a bit yeah <laughs> And I, she can't really hurt me anymore because I don't have any feelings there anymore. Um, so why not? Yeah. So I I do respond to her, and we do start talking. And right away, I share, you know, what's happened in my life. Yeah. And that call, she re- re- recommits her life to Christ. <laughs> she tells Whoa. me of how she was very much in the church in a church very similar to resonate um for a good 20 plus years and uh she was going through a hard marriage and to a point where her husband kind of pulled them out of the church made it huh. uncomfortable for her to be able to go there and then she finally was able to leave him it was a kind of an abusive relationship and it had been about four years now. She had been away from that and not living a Christian life anymore and not surrounding herself with mm-hmm. those people. And she was awake. She wasn't praying. She wasn't um, even thinking about that. Yeah. The world had gotten her. You know, because of trauma that she had gone through. And just hearing my testimony, she she was right back in it. I got her a devotional, uh, New Morning Mercies. I sent it to her. 
and we started doing devotion every morning. She, now, she lives in Florida. So I'm an early riser. I tend to wake up around 4 a.m., so I'm kind of on <laughs> East Coast time. She wasn't working during the... She wasn't able to work during the lock, you know, shelter in place. So we would do devotions in the morning, and then and, the, and I was working by this point. When I would come home in the evenings, we would FaceTime and talk for three to five hours every night just about catching up now 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 we could have conversations now she spoke fluent english she has been to learn yeah have so you, did you remember any of your uh spanish or brazilian whatever portuguese yeah portuguese. I, spoke, I spoke portuguese with her and she was amazed she was amazed that i could speak portuguese that's funny yeah but god used this not only for me to share my testimony and draw her back to him yeah but we had conversations that about what happened hmm. 28 years prior right and all the perceptions and the excuses and the things that i was bitter or angry about were wrong huh. and all the things i hated myself for or blamed myself for was wrong it was the enemy making me mm-hmm. weak and making me blame myself or blame her and i couldn't forgive her for this and right. she probably did this and resenting her and huh. killing my self-confidence in so many ways and hindering me from being able to have a loving relationship because of that and us having this moment of going back over those times and what she was thinking and what she was experiencing and why she made decisions she made it was a real healing time for me in my heart and it was a gift you know really and it's wow. it like I, the best west way i can explain it is that it healed my heart <laughs> and we continued to talk for a while and we started falling in love again but we've decided that that's not you know long distance relationship her there me here that's not really possible that's rough yeah <laughs> yeah and i i think also as we started to talk more and i started to fall in love again i think i started to put her up on this pedestal again and maybe started spending more time thinking about her than i was thinking mm. about god so he helped me to realize who's first in my life yeah so i can put that aside we can be friends we have that connection he brought us back together to heal me to draw her back to him yeah you know mission accomplished yeah and it's (laughs) not always the reason i want it to be yeah or think it should go right but again because you know it's you're so quick to oh this is god's doing this so i can have this and this and this and i want to take the wheel again yeah you're trying to finish the story right And, (laughs) and make it my reason yeah and not his, you know. It's, yep, yep. So huh. that was a blessing, also. Wow, what a what uh, what got her to reach out? What was it? Just out of the blue? She or? had been, yeah. 
It's it's just so strange. Weird. It, it, it's very weird. She had been <laughs> uh, separated, divorced from her husband for two years now. Yeah. Um. And during the shelter in place, I guess he started putting me in her, her head, <laughs> and she wanted to have some closure or. Because when she called, it was like, do you remember why we got divorced? <laughs> she couldn't even really remember. And I'm like, yeah, you left. <laughs> yeah, remember that whole thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me but, jog your memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, that's funny. <laughs> but as we talked it out, and get, but I didn't, I had no anger anymore on it. you know. Yeah. So I was able to receive that and communicate with her without having any resentment or anger now mm. so the timing again his plan was perfect yeah you couldn't have i couldn't have handled you, you that. couldn't have heard it another no, time no never i would never have been able to have that conversation wow huh. it's just amazing that is awesome yeah and so what do you think is next Okay, so also in this time talking yeah. with her, um, this is where God. I've been I've been asking that question like ever since he changed my life. Okay, you saved yeah. my life. I'm going to this great church, but you could, you, it can't be just for that. You know, there's you have to have a purpose for my life now. And what's and, the mission? And right? <laughs> where do you want me? How are you going to use me? Yeah. Um, I hadn't really thought that much about that day in the bed and some of the things that were revealed to me at that time since. Um, but as we were talking, she had had a dream that about me, that same vision I had when I was talking with my mom about how God was going to use me. Hmm. And... I saw myself, you know, standing in front of a large group of people, you know, sharing God's word, what, how he's worked in my life or whatever I was doing. I was yeah. talking about him. Um, huh. Within a couple of weeks, about five people came to me with that same vision hmm. that they had it in a dream one of the guys in my MC, we were talking about God's gifts. And, you know, one guy's gift was teaching, and one guy's gift was, huh. you know, this, and one guy's gift was that. And another guy came up and he shared that God shows him things sometimes. And he had to share this with me. Now, I hadn't told him that she had a dream about this, and I didn't tell the other people that I saw this in my hospital bed. And I didn't tell... <laughs> So within a matter of a couple weeks, like five different times, I was, this was brought to my attention again. Confirmation. Confirmation. That's so the churchy word for that. I, I felt like, mm. okay, I think you're trying to tell me something here. But for me, um, I'm a people person. I love, you know, conversationalists. I love being with people and getting to know people and building relationships, but I'm not a confident speaker. Mm. I'm not versed in God's word. I'm just beginning my walk. You know, I'm just beginning to study the Bible. Right. Um, 
I'm not very knowledgeable. I'm not great in praying in public. <laughs> I'm just getting more comfortable with that. Yeah. As I'm not trying to impress others. I'm just having speaking with him. Yeah. And uh, so it, for me, it's I I kind of want to fight that. Like I can't. Um, get in front of a lot of people and speak um <laughs> careful so, so I, careful so then <laughs> you know well you know like but then again as uh, the other confirmations are it's not really me exactly <laughs> i'm not the one that's going to be doing it you know it's it's if this is how god wants to use me then i'm just the vessel yeah and the holy spirit's going to do the talking and and guide me through the stages and the steps that I need to, to do to prepare myself for that. I need to continue to work on me. I need to pray to not be so judgmental, to not right. to be so quick to anger, to, right. to be forgiving and, and and have it you know, be like Joe where grace, give grace immediately. Don't judge. Trust God. You know, trust God. Just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I've I've reached out to since to Pastor Jackson and he's led me to this course to take um hmm. ambassador curriculum course to kind of just start working towards whatever God has. Yeah. What is in that? store for me? It's called the ABCs uh um called an ambassador curriculum course i think is it like a scriptural teaching or i think it's preparing for um evangelism or missionary or okay something in that realm yeah you haven't started yet no i just got it i just got them all on (laughs) i was just about to say you you need to pay attention more yeah (laughs) i haven't i haven't haven't even started it okay (laughs) (laughs) i i got them all on it's like three three different courses and they're like five discs and you okay okay you got to do them on the computer i, I was nice. going to take it with me on a car ride because i do a lot of driving around to clients yeah but you, it's only on a pc type thing because mm-hmm. i guess there's you go through a course and then you do a test and you go through a course and it's, and a, you get it's, a, a, it's certification. a correspondence learning style right. that, yeah that makes sense right okay so i'm going to start that soon the step one yeah wow um and then, you know, just at the last members meeting, you know, Pastor Ryan was talking and he talked about how Resonate is a teaching church. He talked about someone that was looking to become a pastor. Um, again, none of that is like expectations on my part. Right. It's just I'm open to whatever, however God's going to use me. Yeah. And I just want to start focusing on preparing myself um not just by l- learning his word and studying the bible but how i live my life how i treat other people i i am an ambassador more not just by my words but by my actions um clean, you know Working out all the sins that I still continue to struggle with, you know. 
So I think I I feel a little more confident that he has plans for me. <laughs> and I'm just going to sure he does. Con- continue to <laughs> I mean, he saved my life for a reason. Yeah. And he's yeah. I've gone through a lot of these terrible things in my life. Yeah. For a reason. So I I feel like he can use those things as a a way to connect with people just like as a salesperson my yeah. i was a relationship type sales right because i would connect with people and i have these bad decisions i made in my life and i've gone through these bad times but so have other people yep and if He loves me yeah. and saved me, even though, again, I was so undeserving and so selfish and so of this world mm-hmm. Then anybody <laughs> can be saved and anybody can see that he, he loves them just as much. Yeah. Well, your, your story gives you access to people that, you know, a lot wouldn't because there's something really powerful to be able to talk to somebody and say, I was just like you. I know exactly what you, how you feel. How can you do? Yeah. If you hadn't gone through all that, you'd be lying. Right. Whether <laughs> it's the, the legal problems that I had and right. how unfair that was, I felt. Right. Or the, the divorce that I went through or the, the, the you know, being around the dark parts of this world with the drugs and the the yeah the crimes you know just being exposed to that um well and you can say you can say i understand you but so does god like he knows those things too he knows about unjust right unfair pain painful what <laughs> what are we doing dog you okay <laughs> Yeah. I had to kick her out for these things. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I remember Justin's. <laughs> that yeah. was hilarious. Um, so let yeah. me let me ask you this. This is my one of my two favorite questions. Okay. Is is the kind of like the what is next thing? I'd love to know like what what is like the thing that you're learning right now? Like as we're coming out of the or hopefully <laughs> Hopefully coming out of the COVID bit and business is starting up. You're starting this class. Like, what is he, what's that front row thing that he's teaching you? I'm mainly just a, Be accepting of what he's putting in front of me, whether I think I can do it or not, whether that it's not on me, that it's not my abilities or capabilities, that all things are possible in Christ. And I'm taking on more things in the church as far as leadership positions being you know the parking ministry 
leaving yep. the parking ministry now where I never would consider that. Yeah. Before. Um, and just allowing him to mold me and yeah. into what he, how he sees me, hmm. not my vision of myself, but Hmm. just be accepting of his will completely yeah it's scary yeah sometimes yeah that's why i was so surprised that 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 step my brother took to give up all of these things i mean he was so successful it's a ragged edge and just walked away from all of that yeah and completely accepting of god's will in his life and even as like recently with the, some of the, the the things that were shown to me, I wanted immediately to take the reins. Yeah. And yep. we have a heading. Go with it. I think Let's God go. showed me this. Now this is what I'm going to do. I'm yes. going to take charge and instead of just allowing him to lead me. Yeah. It, we're so quick to want to take the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, you know, human nature. I I think of following Christ as actually walking like on stones through fog and and he he gives me vision to see like the that next stone and I feel like I spend so much time like flapping my <laughs> arms around trying to clear some fog so I can see a few more ahead and he's like no because every time I do that, I'm just blowing my energy out, mm-hmm. getting all frustrated and all that. He just says, it'll be there. I'll show you the next one. Just say yes. Do the next thing. But once in a while, you get a little peek, you know, like that, like a little further out. You're like, oh, is that where we're going? Okay. <laughs> it's a struggle for me because I'm ADHD, <laughs> so I'm very easily distracted. Yeah. <laughs> A little shiny thing over here or right. something over there. <laughs> the squirrels I gotta, everywhere. I got to keep yeah. drawing my attention back to him. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping my focus on him. Yeah. All right, last question. Uh, of, of all the things you've learned about Jesus from being a little uh, Baptist slash Lutheran kid, all the way till now like what is it what is it about him that like you would find so amazing as to say like i'm thankful i had cancer because i've seen this like that's it's a crazy thing to say what is it about him that's so good that that would be true i'm so amazed i'm so thankful of how much he loves us that he would be willing to live a perfect life Hmm. not fall for any of these temptations of the world not enjoy any of these worldly things that we are 
tempted with every day Hmm. just so he could take all of our sins and be blamed and carry all of that weight so undeserving Hmm. but to love us that much To the point where he's gives his life as he's cursed and abused and disrespected and taunted and just the unimaginable love and grace. Every Sunday when we talk, when it comes to the gospel, and this is brought up, it just highlights how undeserving I am of his love. How selfish, disrespectful I was. Yet he still saved my life. He still loved me and forgives me and took all of my sins upon him. <laughs> it's yeah, that kind of generosity is it's it's very foreign. I think that's why it's so impacting because it's it's impossible <laughs> and all those moments when i how unfair it is to him yeah when i yeah. that how how i felt oh this is unfair that i'm being blamed for these other guys actions right but right. i was in the car how unfair it was that this person did this to me or that to mm-hmm. me but i've done I've wronged people, right. you know, but he didn't ever, yeah. he didn't deserve anything, any of that. How unfair it was to him. That's just, it makes me feel there's a sadness that comes to my heart. Like yeah. I don't want him to feel that. I don't want him to carry that. Yeah. But without him, then that's how God would see me. Mm. So I'm so thankful. Gratitude replaces that. It's just, yeah. I love him so much. Yeah. And it doesn't even compare to how much he loves us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I I hope that like I mean I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this vision of yours <laughs> or vision of others, I guess. Cuz that I mean that's that I mean the, the meaning of life is knowing him. 
and and seeing who he is and what he's done and just you you never fully grasp it because you think like the more you learn that you'll you'll get it more it seems like the more you learn just the more like crushed you are by it <laughs> yeah and to develop that ability to take others into that with you and and confront them with this truth is is powerful you know and i i, I can see that that's in you <laughs> how cool and to share that with others and for them to have that same peace yeah that i now have what else I, is there i mean and i still struggle every day with the world yeah, of course but when my eyes are on him when my thoughts are on him it's just all joy yeah share it man yeah yeah i yeah. i hope he he uses me in ways that i can't imagine you know yeah words gives gives the words that i don't have yeah. and Well, I like the words, I like the words you used today. (laughs) Let's close it there. Yeah. We're creeping up on three hours. This was good, man. Dude, thank you so much. Thank you. This was great. Yeah. Beautiful. What a story. Gosh. Really? God is great. Yeah. I'm going to have to process some of the stuff you said. Yeah. Being, being this close to these rather than listening to them, uh, I get hit the hardest by every one of these, and I always have to, like, take a bit. Like, after you leave, I'm just going to sit there and think for a while. It's, it's it's humbling to see Christ work in my life, but it's refreshing, humbling to see what he's done at yours. It's different than mine, but it's, it's the same God. Yeah. Uh, it's, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. This is awesome. Yeah, man. All right. Well, give me a bump and we'll close it there. Thanks, bro. All glory to God. (laughs) Nice. All right, there you have it. David, thank you so much for coming today. And thank you folks out there for listening to the show. Uh, I am epically, deeply grateful for every set of ears that tunes into these interviews. Um, I, I honestly started doing this because... Uh, I just wanted to hear this podcast. I wanted to hear people's stories. And the fact that there are people out there who would who would turn their ears toward it and listen in uh, is humbling. And it's just my prayer that these words, that this, this time we spend here and the stories that, that I'm putting up on the web and the people that just have the guts and the faith to put their stories out there, man, I pray that these change the world a little bit. Uh, and I just pray that that you would also be led to be a, an engine that drives that forward, that you would share these episodes, that you would just support the show prayerfully, uh, and that uh, if you're led to, that you would come on. Come over here. <laughs> Sit across this table. Talk to me. Uh, anyway, uh, if you do want to come on the show, if you want to get in touch with me, you can follow the Facebook page. Look for The Great Stories Podcast. And you can also send me an email at thegreatstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, folks. God bless you. See you later.
Aha, you are still listening to the show, and that means you have left your player on for too long. Or you knew this was coming, and you couldn't wait to see what random stuff is on my mind. Well, today, uh, really simple. I There's no greater discipline, really, in, in one's life than to read their Bible. <laughs> and I just uh, figured it would be f- useful to show people, or at least tell you, just how... I read the Bible, how I do it, because I mean, there's a lot of different methods. You hear people, you get the the one-year Bible, or they do a little bit of this, a little of that. They do some Old Testament, some New Testament, and you know the Bible reading plans, and that, that's not really what I'm talking about, because while I think there is value to just high volumes of Bible consumption, I am far more interested in how you approach Scripture in order to... Um, I guess, get the most out of it. Not, not that we're looking to get receive some product from it, but what I mean, how do you how do you dig through Scripture for the truth that's within it? And I'd love to just give you a tool that I use uh, almost every time that I read Scripture. Uh, when I, I go through uh, with, with my girlfriend right now, we, we kind of are crawling through the book of Luke together, and we're actually doing it incredibly slowly. Uh, like sometimes just four or five verses at, at a time. And what we'll do is I'll, I'll just pick a very short passage. It's usually like, okay, the parable of the sower or the story of when uh, Joseph and Mary left Jesus at the temple, like that kind of stuff. One one little, little snippet, tidbit of scripture. And we'll talk about it and just look at it from all these different facets and try to like put ourselves in the different positions and just kind of just just look around the passage and see what's in there. See what, oh, that reminds me of this. That reminds me of that. But at the end, I always approach it with these three basic questions. And these three questions have helped me to wring the truth more and more out of Scripture. Every time I do it, I, I make connections that I didn't before. Uh, so productive. Uh, the first thing that I do, I'll ask one question. I'll say, what does this passage teach me about God? And what I mean to say is that imagine that like God is sitting across the room over there and you're just talking to someone else about him. Like, oh, look at, look at how, you know, look at that guy's shoes or look at his pants or the, the haircut. You know, like you're, you're describing things about God. Like God is very patient in this passage. God is very powerful. Wow, God does what he says he's going to do all the time. Look at, oh, God is very just you know, oh, God uh, doesn't like this. God doesn't like that. Like, you can learn a lot about God. Okay, that's question one. Question two is, how is Jesus the hero of this passage? And sometimes that's harder to find, especially as you're reading, like, obscure Old Testament stories and all that. But the truth is that the entire Bible, in one way or another, every story that's told in there relates to, ties into, uh, foreshadows in some way, is connected to Jesus. Uh, and that could be harder to find. That's why, you know, having a knowledgeable person you can get in touch with and say, hey, how's the, you know, what about this? But that's a big truth. The third thing I ask myself, so first is, what does this teach me about God? How is Jesus the hero of the story? The third thing is, what does this mean for me? Basically, if if what I said about God is true, and if what I just learned about Jesus is true, what does this mean for me? Maybe it means like, wow, I can trust God with my life. Wow, 
God's never going to leave me. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, <laughs> God is so powerful. Uh, I think he's powerful enough to take care of me. Uh, like things like that are just those tidbits, tidbits you can walk away with. And then you pray and you ask God, like, hey, just let me really believe this. Let this truth that I've learned about you change my life. I, I've honestly found that and that only takes a very short amount of time. It doesn't need to be these hours and hours pouring over scripture to get a lot out of it. You can get tons out of literally just reading like a couple verses. The Bible is so densely packed with truth. It's all in there. And just for the for the knowledge of God, for the, the, the relationship with Christ, for the reformation of character, there's no greater favor you could do for yourself than just to dig into his word and just ask three simple little questions. All right. Thanks for listening to the bonus round and love you all. See you next time.